2004 Fred Savage Review with Wayne Newman and Greg Noggle. Welcome to Rat Salad Review. We are back. It's been uh, two weeks, I think, right, Greg? Yeah, two weeks. Uh, Two-week hiatus. And the last review, review that we did was terrible. So uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I had to think of something else to do. So tonight we have our special guest, K.K. Fosser of the band Them. How's it going, K.K.? It's going well. You're going to talk like that the whole night, right? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You, you get a golf clap for that one. <laughs> right back here. Right back here. Hopefully you got hopefully you guys are a little bit more lenient with our our record this week. <laughs> Just a little you're okay. bit. You're okay. It's a th it's the two of us, so you're okay. Well listen, the big boy pants are on. Whatever you gotta whatever you gotta dish out, I'll take it. No, you're you're good with us. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, actually, you want to talk about some, uh, some strange news going on, actually? I actually wanted to get your opinion on, on, uh, on this, KK. Uh, sure. Are you a fan of Manowar? Yeah, I love Manowar. Have you heard about the Carl Logan situation? Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? I think they should change their name to uh, Pedal War. <laughs> <laughs> But they're not going to play with him. So, what do I think about that? I think that's. I think it's horrible. Yeah. Actually, um, it really disgraces the band. And you know, he was. You know, he's a key player for a while. So, it's just really such a shame that um, you know uh, a band has to get you know that type of pu publicity. I mean, you know, you hear you hear a lot of the times any publicity, you know, bad or good is good. Publicity that is not good. Yeah, that, you don't want that one. <laughs> no, especially this is their like their the, their last hurrah, their final run, right? Right. Yeah. yeah this is horrible. It's horrible. Yep. It's the last thing yeah. I want to hear about. And and then you hear you know a lot of people. I mean, because I'm friends with uh, Ross the Boss, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I, I see stuff people that that people post on his page, and come on, Ross, you know you have to you know you have to go back in, and well, he has no control over that. You know, right. and, and aside, he's he's doing like a world tour, like for the past two years. You know, so right, yeah. he's not gonna just drop what he's doing and go do that. He's got obligations to to meet. You know, right? Exactly. So, but it's it's very interesting that um, how things you know how things happen, and but sometimes really you know really negative things like that. It's just it just turns you off. But it's not the band. Like you can't you can't hold the band. Right. Responsible, right? A lot of people, they may look and say, you know, hey, you know, it's the band. It's, it has nothing to do with the band. However, if they continue to, to tour with him, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure people would, you know, throw right. rotten tomatoes at him or something, you know. Right. They would think maybe they, you know, knew something about it and just kind of hid it from everybody, too. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that was uh, kind of the issue I was taking with a lot of people that were uh, commenting on it commenting on it and saying oh well it's their last tour they should just forgive it and let them tour uh not not for that type of thing i mean uh, that's a far cry from getting busted on a plane in japan with 30 pounds of hash you know what i mean that that's forgivable <laughs> right yeah exactly definitely I don't, did you see like the new developments like what they said 
Like yeah, I, I did read that article. It uh, it made me throw up in my mouth a little bit, but I did read the whole thing. Right. I, I ha- does it have to do with how many? How many children? It's uh, more about the content and the oh, age of the girls one. and whatnot. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, it just came out like a few hours ago. Very, uh, it's hard to read. Yeah, especially, I have a kid, you know, and I'm just thinking that somebody's watching something like that. It's like, after, after reading that, I, I feel really bad now for the joke comment I made when it first came out because when it said, man, oh, man of war guitar is jailed for uh, child pornography or something like that, I said, well, there's the least surprising headline ever. But uh, <laughs> as if people don't bother them enough, you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, they, they've been running around in loincloths for 40 years. Like, this is not good. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's really just deplorable, though, and I'm I'm glad they're not continuing with them. Right. When it comes right down to it. They shouldn't. Yeah, no. That's not the right thing to do. Nope, not at to, all. Con- to continue with it. Yeah, that wouldn't be the right. No, you can't do that. Not at all. If you want your somewhat of a fan base to be with you. No, That's true. It's not a good idea. I mean, I know Troy likes them, but uh, I think the only passable thing they ever did was to England. I like Man of War, too. First few records do it for me. How was that? The the first few records do it for me. You know, so, but, I mean, they're they're just, you know, a classic, they're just a classic metal band, and they're, they're really respected, especially in Europe. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. Nobody yeah. cares about them over here at all. Yeah, not not too many, but you know, it's funny how how the world works, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I know I saw them over here in um, Plainview, uh, on Long Island, and there was not even fifty people there. <laughs> <laughs> but they play out in front of in, it's sold out stadiums in Europe. Go yeah. figure. Don't yeah. get it. don't get it at all. I mean, I do get it because they're over here in the United States, but I don't I don't know. I just uh, I just saw vicious rumors on their uh, digital dictator uh, anniversary type tour they're doing, and a dive bar in St. Paul. There were forty people there. I mean, it was an awesome show. The guys played it like they were still playing the arenas over in Europe. It was just I was shocked there was that few people there. Right, that's the U.S. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't yeah. do it for you. No. We got to move. <laughs> I can tell you where we can move to. San, Seba- San Sebastian, Spain. Oh, really? Oh, it's beautiful. Over there? Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, well, not, not even, well, the metal in Spain, in my opinion, is probably, that's like one of the strongest areas, mm-hmm. one of the strongest countries. Uh, they just, they go crazy. They love, they love metal. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful country, you know? Right. And of course, Germany as well. So, but uh, just, it's just totally different, you know, just different way of thinking, different way of life over there than it is here. Oh, yeah. They just view things so different than we do. And um, it's, it's awesome to experience that, especially, you know, three guys in my group are German. So we, it just, it's, you know, we, we acclimated to one another and they look, us, look at us sometimes like a little, like what's like what are you you know what are you talking about or what are you thinking and right. we do the same but they're they're just like us except they just live life a little differently that's all yeah 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 a lot different than here I think everybody's a little bit uh, closed-minded here 
with we're the very cl- we're very close minded, yeah. Definitely. Overall. Yeah. Very annoying. So you were in a KISS shirt, Wayne. Yes, I am. Uh, so what do you think about that news about them doing their end of, end of the road tour? Uh, I believe at this time. You do? Yeah, I do. They got the Tommy Thayer and, and Eric Singer, and people already give them shit for, you know, for them using the makeup, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they, apparently they're not going to make any new albums. I, I don't think they should because the last two albums were pretty bad. They were. Yeah. And um, what's the sense to really carry on? Did you, did either of you guys see them back in 96 when they had their first farewell tour? Their reunion slash farewell tour? I saw the farewell tour in 2001. And I actually happened to see the very last show with Peter Chris. You did? Yeah, I was there in Virginia when he got pissed and threw his drumsticks and walked off the stage. Probably because uh, he forgot his songs. Him and Gene were arguing about something. I uh, I don't know what it was because you couldn't hear it, but that was it for Peter. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame him. <sighs> what about you, KK? Me? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'll probably, I probably will go, but it's just, it's not the same without, uh, you know, without Ace and, and uh, Peter. See, I was actually same. talking to some, somebody about that earlier. Like, Eric Singer's been in the band since uh, around Revenge. I mean, we was on the yeah. Revenge album. He's a good drummer. He's a good. He's an awesome drummer. You know, I, I'm a drummer, so you know, of course, yeah, he's my favorite drummer. But um, I think he deserves that spot. Peter Chris, he was good during his time, but he's not good anymore. He can't even play I, anymore. I'll agree. I'll agree with you. And yeah. I, I think he deserves kind of to wear that makeup in a way, really. I think he deserved to have his own design, honestly. I, I mean, Greg, I agree with Greg. Yeah. He I deserves to wear makeup, just a different design. Like, like, um, you know, like, like Vinny and Eric, Fo- yeah. Eric Carr. Yeah. yeah. They had their own designs. Mm-hmm. But same and, point, um, Greg. Thanks. <laughs> I, I kind of understand why they it's didn't do it and they just let him continue as the cat after the farewell tour. But honestly, they should have just. They were being lazy about it. They really should have just given them a new makeup design. I mean, Kiss is a brand all on its own. They would have continued fine if he was, uh, I, I don't know, the Falcon or something. Wow, that would have yeah. been cool. That actually would have been cool. You should they could be come down to the, the surprise. Like... You should be a great director for Kiss. The Falcon. That's awesome. That awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Just think, he deserves, you know, to wear that makeup. Really, I mean, what, what, what good would it be for them to make new makeup? You know, who cares at this point? You know, it would confuse people. Well, well, yeah. And then they gotta do all the merchandise again. So it has a point. You know, who wants to do all that? They can make money off the shit they already have. They just reprint it. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, even with Tommy and Eric, uh. For me personally, I, I feel the bigger deal and the reason they should definitely retire on this tour. I mean, they're, they're just – Gene and I and Paul are starting to lose it a little bit. I mean, Paul not only looks like but sounds like Merle Streep on the stage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and I love Kiss, but um, they – you know, I just I just saw Blue Oyster Cult twice last year, and I know it's only Buck and Eric from the original band, but uh, they've kept it together so well, and they still sound so tight. 
do. But they they don't go with some of the crazy higher register songs that they used to do in the past. You know, they keep with what sounds good. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. They, they got a lot of good musicians in that band now. The drummer's really good. And that bass player. Oh, yeah. The bass the player, bass player is amazing. Everything. He sings and he plays guitar, bass, uh, uh, keyboards. He's all over. Mm -hmm. He's awesome. Are you a fan of uh, Blue Oyster Cult? Uh, Troy, KK? I, I don't know what that is. You can call me Troy. Right. <laughs> Troy. Um, I'm going to call you Cutroy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Cutroy. <laughs> Um, I'm not like I'm not really a big fan, you know. Not not really, you know. Never have been. I mean, yeah, there's a few songs I, I would I would like, you know, I like, but as being one of my faves, definitely not. No. Can't say. Yeah, it took me a while to get into them, but when I finally did, you know, I, I like them a lot. Saw them twice, like Greg said, he saw them twice. Good, good stuff. Yeah, they're they're great musicians. There's no two ways about it. It's just mm -hmm. I don't know. I just never got really into them. Yeah, I I love them. They're my favorite band of all time. I mean, even when they would go off and do something different, you know, it's it's an AOR album, but Blue Oyster Cult is such good songwriters and musicians. You know, they managed to turn it into a slab of gold. Right, I think that's that's true. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Well, Wayne likes the X Factor, so. I didn't. Get, I, was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. Now that you already did, what what do you uh, think about the X Factor album, Troy? We were we were actually thinking about uh, doing a show about uh, our favorite Iron Maiden albums, and I picked X Factor. I'm sorry, you got me lost on that one. I mean, I, I'm a big Maiden fan, but so am I. Not, that's not. I'm not a fan of that album. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, I like the You do. I see that. <laughs> That, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, for me, uh, I mean, well, again, I'm going back to the beginning with Diano, and the, you know, up until what, maybe like first several albums with Dickinson, first what four or five albums, and then after that, they, they lost me. But yeah. live, I would always see them. You know, what? I got a story to tell you about Maiden that was very interesting. I saw them um, once. It was, it was Fear of the Dark, Fear of the Dark tour. Wow. And they were playing. This is at the time of their career where I guess in the States, metal really went downhill. Mm -hmm. Was it somewhere? When did that come out? Do you remember? It was like 90s, early 90s? 92. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I saw them at a, a club in the city. It was called the Ritz. Uh, it's gone, but it was a big club to go to. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was standing there. It really wasn't, like, it wasn't sold out even. And this made me, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there, and people were booing them. Wow. I, don't know if, I don't know if anybody's even watching the show where that was there and saw that, but they were getting booed. And I didn't stay for the whole show I left. I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, with Maiden, I'm done. Wow. And I left. And it took me some time, uh, some years to bring myself one of the times they played at the beach, at Jones Beach Theater. And I went and I said, wow, you know, I loved the show, it was great. I forget which, which run it was, but I loved it, I thought it was great. And, you know, I'll see them live, but I, I'm not really, I'm not a big fan of the music that they've been putting out. So, right. 
they completely changed direction. Oh yeah, of course. They're, they're not even made anymore. They don't even do like the galloping things anymore. No. They yeah. lost all that. It's it's all progressive. Um, uh, I don't even know what you call that. You know what? Angry. <laughs> I think uh, I think I don't know if this is the case with Maiden, but a lot of groups, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of groups when they first start out. And I don't even, I'm not even going to say it's because of the age. I, I think it has to do with where they are, maybe financially, so to speak, right. where, whereas they don't, you know, they're not, they're, they're hungry. You could hear the hunger in their music. Yeah, definitely. Okay, if that makes sense. Um, Maiden, Metallica is another group, um, you know, where they were, they were just on top of their game. And a lot of it, I believe, is driven by that financial aspect. Right. Once they get to a certain threshold financially, I think a lot of that hunger dissipates and, and it's, they're just not, they're not the same people. They're changed people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, that's why like me personally, I mean, I, I have my job, I work, I, you know, I pay the bills with that. And this to me is my passion, you know, what I do with music. Right. So that's why I try to, I try to keep two separate. You know, if we make a few bucks and we make some money during it, doing it, great. But I don't want to lose that right. because I feel, based on everything that I've seen previously with all these other groups, a lot of them, not all, but a lot of them, it's just I don't know, something's lost. Right. Yeah. Their their passion or their, their something from their heart. It's like they're not executing it from their heart anymore. Right. You know, but and like you know, we're getting the money, so let's see what we can put out next, just for the hell of it. You know. I know. I mean, it's like Metallica, well, they did reload, uh, load and yeah. reload. You're like, what the hell was that? I, I like those albums, but that's not there's some good songs on there. I'm not going to say this, you know, uh, but like, I'll I'll use the, the phrase. No, there isn't. <laughs> there might be a few. There's a come on. There's like a few good songs, but like, it's not the Metallica that we knew and loved. Nope. It's different, and I, I I'll use this. I'll use the phrase that I use with all my friends. I'm Metallica out. Yeah. I'm Metallica out, you know, and you know they released this last record, and you know what? It's just it, they're trying, mm-hmm. they're trying to sound the way they did, and they'll never recapture that again because they're different. They evolve. We change as humans every five years, right? So right. They're different people. Right. The best thing that they have is Robert Trujillo. Right. He's the True. best thing. He's more metal than they all are. He is pretty much. He is. <laughs> You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, that's what I feel, just generally speaking, no matter who you speak about, speak to. But on the other hand, you have a band like Judas Priest. I, I dig what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The new mm-hmm. album is great. It's fantastic. And Halford, even though he, you know, he's getting up there in age and seeing him live, he just seems like he's ch- challenged now. You know, he's challenged to execute what he's recording. But the music is great. The singing was great. Mm-hmm. Great record, really good record, and I can't say that about most most acts. Yeah, they never really strayed off from uh, their their normal stuff, you know. They never That's ventured out to do something weird. Real quick, I'll be right stay back. Right, no, stay right there. Where you going? No, I'm getting a drink. <laughs> no, you cannot get a drink. Hey, Greg, get me one too. You can Give share me a my beer. Water. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, water. I had water, man. Diet Coke. Diet Coke, yeah. Diet Coke will, will give you uh, epileptic seizures. Sorry, I'll stay away from that. Hopefully, it happens on the show. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, right? That would give us some good ratings. That will that will wake up wake up uh, 
pinhead over here. <laughs> He's sleeping right now with KK. <laughs> but, uh, Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, like I said, they didn't do nothing different besides that. Uh, no Sajam. No, no, I can't even fucking say it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, no Sajamas? Yes. But, um, well, also, I can't forget about the Tim, the Tim Ripper Owen years. Yeah, but they were still they still sound like Judas Priest. Yeah, you know, it sounded like um, um, a painkiller priest, basically. You know, right, right. You, you know, uh, kind of like painkiller priest, but I love Jugulator. I think that's a really great album. You know, they went a little heavier, they went a little thrashier, faster, and it worked out great for them. It's perfect. It's what uh, they should have been doing. Really, that's a big reason why I was so disappointed by Demolition. You know. They listened to a bunch of angry fans, and then they made an album where they tried to please everybody and do something their heart wasn't in, and pleased nobody. <coughs> but um, Jugulator's a great album. I love uh, 98 Live Meltdown with them. I think Owen sounds great on that, on his own songs, and then Rob's. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, it, it, it's just a shame they uh, didn't put out a better second album. Um, I'm glad Rob came back. I've seen them a few times live since then, and it was always great. And I did like Angel of Retribution and the new one. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, mm -hmm. Redeemer of Souls was okay. It wasn't bad. It just... Um, the production killed that album. Yeah, that's that, it's kind of tough to listen to because of that. That's what I was going to say. But um, I don't like Nostradamus. You like the new one? You like I love Firepower. Firepower, great, isn't it? Great, great, great yeah. record, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what else was I going to ask? Uh, what about your favorite new band? Ooh, it isn't Ghost. What? <laughs> I'm joking. Well, let's say I'm joking, but I'm not joking. No. Go, um, Ghost, uh, I like Ghost. Ghost is pretty cool. But my favorite new band, hmm. Uh, whew. I would have to say Halcyon Way. I know the name. I just don't know who they are. Halcyon Way. Uh, I seen them perform uh, back uh, at this club called Revolutions when I was in my old band, Cold Steel, and we played, we played a show with Udo, Udo Headline. Right. And then Halcyon Way was touring with Udo. And... You know, I saw these guys, they, they, they were all pretty much kind of like wearing matching, almost like uniforms. But not uniforms, but like, you know, matching outfits. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to check them out. And they started playing. I'm like, wow, these guys are really, really good. I didn't know any of their music. And, you know, when you see a band that you never heard before, right, mm -hmm. it's only seconds, like maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds that you'll either click with them or not, you'll walk away. Exactly. Yeah. So I stood there. I did like a double take. I'm like, wow, these guys are really good. So I don't know. I just, I followed them a little bit and um, I really enjoy what they were doing. And at one particular point, you know, I made contact, I kept contact with them because since I played on the bill, we were backstage, we were all talking. So I kept in contact with uh, the guitar player. His name is John. And, um, you know, just on Facebook, whatever, whatever. When, when my group then performed our first European tour, two days before we were going to do the, the first run, our guitar player, one of our guitar players uh, from Chicago, he got into some kind of uh, accident and he had to go uh, possibly for surgery and so he couldn't play. Wow. So 
I, John was one of the people who I called to see if he, if he, or he, if he would fill in or know someone who would fill in. And right. we've been in contact since that time. Right. Um, anyway, John reached out to me a little after that, maybe a few months after that happened. And he said, Hey, you know, would you like to do some backup vocals on our next record? And I said, sure, sure. Why not? Um, send it to me, you know, send me what you want me to do. Right. So he sent me a few clips and literally it was like, it wasn't like full songs. It was just backups to the choruses of three songs. And I list, I was listening to this and I wanted to hear the rest of the song. I was like, what a tease. This guy's sending me a little clip. You know, I want to hear the whole song. It's good. It was really good. And they were working with uh, a producer, Mark Lewis, uh, who he's known. He's known in the industry. And yeah, he's, he's one of the names. Um, and also, it's funny because their illustrator who illustrated their new record cover, uh, his name is, um, what's his name? Travis, Travis Smith. Okay. And Travis Smith, he, <laughs> he developed this logo, the them logo. So it was, it's just funny, like how things, like how small this world is. I was going to say, small world. Yeah, and he, you know, he, he asked me to do it, and I heard, you know, the record came out. It's called Bloody But, um, Bloody but Unbowed. Okay. And it came out in August, and I, I, I bought it. You know, I'm, you know any, any people that I'm affiliated with, you know, I'll buy their records, especially like, you know, like new bands, and uh, especially if I'm a little friendly with them or very friendly with them, I'll, pick, I'll support them. Right. I have to tell you, fantastic record, really, really good record. And another new band that is on uh, uh, Elson's, David Elson's new label, what is it, E-E-N-P or E-M-P label group? Yeah, he, he's, uh, they, had, they signed this group called Voodoo Terror Tribe. And I followed them for years and years ago, and they just landed this first record uh, with Elson's new label, and it's awesome, awesome. Um, so those two, those are two, I gave you two, two new bands, uh, really, really into. What kind of music are they? Well, um, well, Voodoo Terror Tribe, they have, um, it's a four piece. So Voodoo Terror Tribe, the guitar, I mean, it's more like, uh, it's metal, but there, I mean, there's, there might be some blast beating from time to time for flavoring, but it's more like more dirty, more in your face. Uh, tight-knit four-piece band, you know, but they're, they're great. As far as the other band, um, Halcyon Way, I'd say they're more progressive. Okay. Think of them more of, think of them as Testament with Dream Theater vocals. Okay. That's the way I would, it's more progressive, it's heavier music, but there's, there's a lot of vocal melodies going on, and they're killer, killer choruses, and it's just really a good record. They're both really great records, but um, in really good bands. But they're different. They're just a little different, you know. Yeah, cool. I will definitely write, uh, write that down and check them out. Check them out. Check them both out. They're really good. I'll see on way. And what was the other one? Voodoo what? Voodoo Terror Tribe, and 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 Halcyon Way. Um, yeah, what's the name of the? Um, yeah, Bloody and Button Bowed is. That's the Halcyon. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's Halcyon Way and uh, Voodoo Terror Tribe. What's the? Voodoo Terror Tribe. I don't know. I forgot the name of the record. Um, I have it. Voodoo Terror Tribe. Oh, the sun. The sun shining cold. I knew it was had, had the word sun in it. The sun shining cold. That's Voodoo Terror Tribe, and Halcyon Way is Bloody But Unbowed. Check those two out. Yeah, look at that. 
You're welcome, Halcyon Way and Voodoo Terror Tribe. <laughs> All right, what else? You got anything, Greg? Nope. No, you don't? Well, I gotta tell you one other thing, too, because that, that wouldn't be complete. There's another record that I just picked up. I said uh, one. Now you gave us two. Now you want three. I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta plug my Grecian brothers. <laughs> they're from, they're, and, and not only my Grecian brothers, they, but one They created band. metal anyway, so <laughs> Sacral Rage. They're called Sacral Rage. Okay. And um, they just released a new record as well. And they're really, really good. So think of them as it's a, it's a thrash band, mm -hmm. but the vocals are anywhere, I would say, a combination between King Diamond, this, uh, I don't know the singer's name from Hell, the band Hell. Oh. And um, do you know, uh, it's, it's know. a combination of those two singers. And then of course he has his own voice. So it, it's awesome, you know. Um, there's another band in Germany that the guitar player in them, he's also in Septagon. Septagon, they're very American sounding. It's amazing, uh, they're all German. And the singer spent some time here in the States. And uh, he's, a, he's a good, really good singer. He's very Joey Belladonna-ish. Okay. So they have like a, kind of like an Anthrax vibe, but I think in my, maybe heavier than the way, they, the way Anthrax is now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so Septagon is another great, great band, but they're, they're more like thrash. They're more thrash. And the other two that I mentioned, uh, they're, they're really not thrash. They're heavy metal. And they're bordering with a modern, a more modern sound, but they're—I wouldn't call them thrash bands. But Sacred Rage and Septagon are okay. great, all great. I love thrash, so I'm good with that. you would like them. Sacred Rage is really good, and their their newest record uh, is getting, you know, grave reviews. Uh, it's it's a concept record as well. Huh. So, okay. Yeah, and they're from Greece. They hail from Greece, and Septagon hails from Germany. Okay. Uh, you ever heard of uh, Bewitcher, Troy? No, no, I haven't. Tell me, tell me a little bit, Greg. Um, they're, they're a speed metal band from Portland, Oregon, and uh, they, they, they have their own style, but they incorporate a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal and venom and stuff like that into their sound and look. Bewitcher? Bewitcher, yeah. I'll have to They've check got, them out. They've got one album out. It's uh, self-titled Bewitcher. There's a few videos online. And uh, th that was a situation where I hadn't heard of them until I showed up to the show. I went to see uh, someone else, a different local band, uh, Maniacal Force, who's also good. Um, excellent. You know, they, they came out with the flying Vs, and it, it was great, man. Tastiest riffs this side of Diamond Head. <laughs> nice, nice. I'll have to check them out. Thanks for the heads up. Yep, not a problem, man. Bewitcher, you got it. Well, apparently, uh, Angel, uh, how do you say his last name? Coat? Oh, you're, you're drunk. so it's uh, Angel Cote. Okay. Angel Cote. Okay, so the way, the, way, the way you would say it is yeah. Angel, Angel Cote. Okay, that's what I thought. But I, but I say, I pronounce it correctly. Angel Cote. Yeah, that's not. I'm not getting. <laughs> I, know, I, I can remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was watching on YouTube, and apparently, uh, he can't. He wants you to speak up, uh, Troy. And uh, he wants me to speak up. All right, I'll then, speak up. You're going in and out, uh, Greg. But you know what? Uh, YouTube. I can't help that. I'm recording this, so I'm gonna. I might just re-upload this whole show again. So.
If you can't hear now, I mean, I hear myself great, but you know. I know I hear you fine. Everybody's <laughs> fine. Everything's perfect. It's it's YouTube. I don't know. Oh, interesting. So I'll fix it later. Whatever. Like I said, this this show. In case anybody's watching this for the first time, uh, we're on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on obviously YouTube and Twi uh, Twitch. And then there's something else. Oh, I have it all written on the side of the stupid thing here. I don't have to tell everybody. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, blah blah blah. Go on. Yeah, we're on everywhere. All the big ones. All yep. the big ones. That's all the big ones. All right. So, um, tell me, you've been in a lot of other bands besides Zeb. Uh, I know you were in uh, Cold Steel. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, uh, well, I started when I started playing. I was like, I don't know, seventeen. Mm -hmm. And there was this local band that everybody they loved. This band it was Cold Steel. And you know, this I lived in uh, Valley Stream, New York, which is also on Long Island, home of the Slip Disc. Yep, Slip Disc Records. Yep, missed that. Uh, I know, but they uh, by the way, just on an offshoot, Slip Disc, they do uh, uh, the uh, the, yeah, the uh, owner. He does this vinyl show. Yep, traveling vinyl show. You heard about that? Yep, yep. I got uh, once in a while. I go. Yeah. Uh, cool, cool. Yeah. So anyway, so Cold Steel. Um, I I just I just wanted to be in that group, but it wasn't happening. So I had my own group, and it was called Overdrive, believe it or not. And so we played with we played with Cold Steel. Uh, I got to know two of the members of Cold Steel, and at one particular point, their bass player, who was the singer, quit or they fired him, whatever the case may be, he quit, right? Or let's say he's not there anymore. So they asked me, they called me up, do you want to be in the band? Yep. Do you know a guitar player? Yep. The other guy that was in my band, Overdrive. Mm -hmm. Avelino Cassis. So we went, we started playing with Cold Steel and we're playing literally just all different types of covers. And they had they didn't have any they didn't have any originals at that time. So we were playing covers. But we were playing Nuclear Assault. Um, uh, we played SOD, MOD. You know, Metallica, nobody played Metallica at that time. You know, it was like when Metallica was, you know, like we played Master of Puppets when they were when they were playing it themselves live. You know, they were touring that album, we were playing it. So the, the point is, we, we, did the, we did the song so, so accurate, so close. And at one particular point, we said, well, let's, we gotta write our own music. You know, this is... We just we just have to you know right. so we wrote a song called dead by dawn and dead by dawn uh is actually thematically it's taken uh from my favorite horror movie evil dead 2 which okay. has a subtitle dead by dawn and so the artwork and everything was kind of like very closely resembling that movie and we even took a little clip of the intro the intro of of before the song was from that movie. And we probably could have gotten sued if we made money on it, but we gave the demos away, right? Yeah, yeah. So we then, we then created a few other songs and we recorded a demo. And the demo was called Dead by Dawn. And another song on the demo was called Crackdown. And that was like, that song propelled Cold Steel in, yep, propelled in the underground. We were propelled. So this is now like 1988, and we were, we literally, we had interest from different labels. Uh, at, at one point, Metal Blade 
came into play. And Metal Blade was like, we want to hear more. The representative who we were talking to at the time wanted a few more songs. Mm -hmm. So we went back into the studio. About two months after we started distributing this, this tape in the underground, and to record some more, just two more songs. He needed two more songs. So we recorded them, and then he was gone. And when he was gone, yeah, he was gone. And right after we recorded those songs, our drummer died. Oh. He, yeah, he died. He, he was uh, on Hempstead Turnpike in um, uh, Franklin Square, and someone came out of a club called uh, 007 and crashed into him and killed him. Wow. You know, in his car, you know, he was driving on the Hempstead turn and he got killed. Mm. So we were like, oh, wow. And now what? You know, like we were all devastated. We were kids, you know, we were, what, 20 years old? I mean, okay, yeah. and it was just so, we were just so upset, but like we were so determined, you know, this is what we want to do. This is where we're going to go. And we continued. Mm. So we got another drummer and we made another demo and then we signed a, a, a deal to do a record for a, a label called Turbo Music. Okay. Now, this is 91. So 91. Oh, and he died in 1989. Okay. So from 89 to 91, we got a new drummer, recorded second demo, went into the studio and recorded an album called Freak Boy. Now, Freak Boy, it's a funny name. Freak Boy was... I love that album. <laughs> Freak Boy really consisted of... It was like uh, half the record was songs that were like thrash speed metal and well, I mean more thrash and the other half we would call it alternative metal. And I say alternative metal because of the time period we were in everybody, you know, like only the big bands, you know, really survived through that, like, so to speak. And we were just trying to, we were just trying to figure out like, where do we fit now? You know? So the, I would sing over what was given to me. That's how I always done it. So I created songs and it doesn't sound like the Cold Steel from the Dead by Dawn demo or, or the Perfect Peace demo, which was the second demo. But people, some people liked it and some people didn't. So overall, we kind of like, the reviews were like maybe 60, 70% out of 100%. So it wasn't great, it was okay, but you know, uh, we, it was what it was and you know, we, you know, we, I decided at one particular point, oh, that Turbo, Muse, Turbo Music was the U.S. label. Turbo, uh, JL America was the U.S. label variant, okay? So I'll never forget, we, I got word from the representative from JL America saying, oh, Turbo Music is, is gone. Now, we had received, now, let me tell you, we received, uh, it was, I think, close to $30,000 to record that record. We recorded at Minot Sound in White Plains, New York, right. and uh, that was owned by the uh, the late Bill Coyne, mm -hmm. Kisses, oh, okay. yeah. founding manager, right? Uh, and Bill Coyne was funny. Like when I was recording that record, he'd come into the control room, he'd press the you know the mic, he'd say, "You call that singing? You suck." Walk away, <laughs> like stuff like that, you know, like. It was this is Bill of Coin we're talking about. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Screw you. You know, like I just continued doing what I had to do. But I, but, but this is a little side note. While I was recording that record, uh, we're hanging out in the tape room, right? Because there was tape back then. There were two inch tapes, two inch master tapes, half inch, quarter inch mix down, really half inch. And we're in the tape room and I'm like, what's that? No way. It was Kiss's demo. Oh, wow. Oh, my. 
I held Kiss's demo in my hands. It was unbelievable. We took pictures and oh my God, it was just an amazing experience from that. Yeah. But anyway, and of course, Bill Coyne, he owned it. He owned yeah. the one who made it for them, you know? So anyway, so long story short, move fast forward. So we were told by JL America that Terminal Music shut down. They were shut down by the, the, the German authorities. What are you talking about? How could they be shut down? Well, it turns out that not only did they have the label, but they also had a record store. And in the back of the record store, they had some kind of like room where they had like authentic a Na- Nazi, Nazi stuff, like something like that, you know, some crazy stuff. You scared and me. They, and they were shut down. You they were shut down, go to jail. What? You scared me there for a minute. I thought this was a Carl Logan story. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, this is what I was told. They were gone. Now, just before that happened, maybe about two months before, we received another check. For, I think it was somewhere around 10000 somewhere around that, to prepare for this tour we were going to do. The whole thing was canceled. We never got to go on a European tour. I got really upset. The whole band got really upset. The, the main guitar player, songwriter, his, his name was Al Cassis. I wrote everything with him. Mm-hmm. He's like, sorry, guys, I'm out. Wow. And then I remember we were looking at other people. We were talking with other people. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I had, you know, I had really long hair, cut, cut the hair off. I, I just, I went a different route, like career, family, all that. And I put music behind me. Right. And, I, and I didn't sing anything for eight years. Wow. And, then, and then what happened was I decided to um, um, get involved with music again. Um, I had gone through a divorce and my children, I had three children, and the children and I and and my ex, we, you know, were physically separated. So I didn't know what to do with myself when they weren't with me. So it was very tough emotionally, but music got me through. Yeah. Music is, let me tell you something, music, and it doesn't matter what type of music you listen to, but music really helps you through the toughest of times. And that was my, that was my medicine. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do you know, like I didn't drink a lot. I mean, I, you know, you know, if I, my nerves were really too much, I'd come home and take one shot of whiskey, mm. maybe two tops. But I never abused alcohol or drugs or anything like that. I I abused music, and the music is what helped me get through in a positive way. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. That's so what to my uh, my guitarist, his father yeah. died a few months ago, and he was, you know, we were recording all the songs that I've showed you behind the scenes. Uh, he was doing all this stuff before his father died, and then his father, you know, passed away from cancer. He just had a hard time dealing with it. I said, just you know, you know, take some time, but then go back to music and start playing the guitar and start, you know, coming up with things, and it's going to get your mind off of that stuff. Exactly. Very important to do that. It helped him a lot because his father went through a lot of shit going through what he had. And uh, it helped him a lot, you know, just try to deal with what was going on at the time and, you know, just try to get his mind off of it. It does help. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when I was experiencing this and I started getting back in music, I, I didn't think about, like, writing anything as I did once with Cold Steel. I was thinking, you know, I'll be happy to join, like, a Metallica tribute band or just a cover band or, any, you know, any type of group plays, like, hard rock heavy metal they played some originals fine and i found that i found that with a group called anger management and i played with them for years uh, about three and a half years 
And I played with them, and we played everything from Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth. We played some 70s rock. We played anything you could think of, pretty much. We played uh, rock, heavy metal, and we had, I had a great time. I had a blast. It was like a release. It was just like this like a, just emotional release when I would play with them. And we played mainly small bars. We played a number of biker bars, biker events. Very interesting. And... Then we started writing material, and we wrote we wrote a few songs, and it was it was good. It was pretty good, you know. Right. And that's when, at that time, at that time, I heard during a, a warm up, okay, because we would get there, guys would warm up before rehearsal, and one of the guitar players, his name was Rob, and he was warming up, and as he's warming up, he's playing a King Diamond song, mm. and I'm like, wait a second, I've been playing with you now for two and a half years. You know King Diamond? I, I didn't know if any of you knew who King Diamond was. He goes, I love King Diamond. What? Like, this is like, what are you talking about? This is like a game changer now. Yeah. I said, let's tell the other guys. Let's play, let's play, let's introduce, let's play Welcome Home from King Diamond. Hey, I'm all up for it. I know the whole Then album. That's what he told me. Cool. <laughs> we told the other guys, and the other guys were like, nah, not interested. What? And I think maybe... Who knows? I don't know. We didn't really clarify why they didn't want to do it, but they just shot it down. They were like more of the controlling members. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, we're not doing King Diamond. What? What are you, nuts? This is like, people would love it. No good. It's random so I, people that are into the King, Di- into King Diamond, you know? It's, and also, and also play it, can play it. Yeah, it's not exactly. a concept at all. No, exactly. So I told them, I told Rob, I said, hey, Rob, listen, they don't want to do it. Let's you and I form another group Okay, a year from now, not even now, just a year from now, and let's do one, one to three shows. Mm-hmm. We'll do a King Diamond tribute around Halloween. We'll, we'll practice maybe, you know, once or twice a month in the beginning, just so, you know, because everybody was just so strapped for time. Right. And, you know, they have family obligations. You know, you guys know, it's just, that's, it's yeah. hard. Time is hard to come up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we agreed. And then we, we formed the band. Well, would you believe that three-fifths of Cold Steel came into the King Diamond tribute? Like, how did that happen? But it happened. So we were playing with three-fifths, including me, so two other guys from Cold Steel was in this King Diamond tribute band, and we continued. We were playing, and we wound up playing three shows, and the, the response was incredible. I've had people, you know, so I played the role of King Diamond, and, you know, we did some theatrics. We did... We had a woman playing grandma. And so all this happened, and the response from the crowd was phenomenal. I mean, people would come up to me. I had people bowing to me, like, what, you dropped something on the floor? Can I help you? Like, <laughs> no, no, oh, no, no. Like, they're bowing. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not kidding. Hello? And, I'm like, <laughs> and so besides that, like, I had one guy come up to me, too, dressed up. In. You were oh, yeah. Pretty close. It was, it was okay. You know, I'm definitely heavier than King. But, you know, King, it's so funny because, like, real quick, I, I met King. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, his first run with the Abigail tour, right? Because he did a few runs of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I met him. Uh, I'm good friends with Monty Connor, and Monty promised me, which is a whole other story. He says, Troy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you meet King one day. And I, I met him. And, you know, he's like, he's like, I'm to hear on me with his top hat. You know, I'm like, 
I was like, hey, Kim, how you doing? You know, you know, it was great, great, surreal experience. Loved, I loved that he's such a nice guy, he's so laid back, yeah. you know. And then over the oh, since that point, he's he's kind of like um, reached out to me indirectly, like because uh, he's really he knows like our touring manager, mm-hmm. and he reached out to King one of the runs when we did in Europe last year, and he, and he said, tell that copycat he isn't half bad, <laughs> you know. And I would say, I'd say. Because our touring manager, his name is TJ. I said, TJ, you know, right, tell right, right back because King texted him. I said, text him. Troy said, hail to the king. And he, t- he texted that and King wrote back, of yeah. course. <laughs> but that's King, you know. Yeah. So, you know, but, but back to this where, where he always started this King Diamond tribute and pe- all this reaction was happening. People were saying some incredible stuff and the response was people were leaving saying, oh my God, I can't believe I saw that. I can't believe I heard that. It was just phenomenal. So we actually sat down and we said, you guys want to still do this? Like we could do this. There's like our main tribute bands that, that play for 10 years. You know, do you guys want to do this? Yes. So we did it again. Let's do it for one more year. And at the end of the year, we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. So we did that again. The second year, now we played maybe six more shows. So we sat down at the end of the year and I said to them, I'll never forget, we're sitting at uh, the guitar players in his house. He had a bar, he had a big bar in his house. And we sat down and I'll, I'll never forget. I said, listen, we have to do one song. Like you, got, you know, we have three fifths of Cold Steel. We have the other guy, you know, the three, you know, three four, there's five guys in the group. And they were all really good musicians. Right. I said, come on, we, come on, let's do something like a little heavier. Like a lot, I was trying to get everybody prepped and primed and juiced up about it and it wasn't ready they weren't ready for it so we did another year of shows and then something happened to the drummer uh right after four shows we had played with Hal Patino Hal Patino came from yeah he came from From Denmark yeah well yeah when he wasn't King Diamond still but they were on hiatus Mm -hmm. uh Hal Patino came down and he stayed with me for for uh, two weeks and that's how I met Monte Connor from Roadrunner at the time, uh, through through Hal, and Hal played four shows with us, and it was such an awesome experience. I could tell you stories upon stories just from that. Mm. But anyway, Hal, he said one thing that really I have to say that really set in my head, and to this day, I like only way I'll forget it is if I you know get dementia, you know, God forbid. But he said to me when we leave in the rehearsal, we have one rehearsal. So one rehearsal with him before we played these four shows, and he said, Troy, you know, I closed my eyes. You guys were just as good, if not better, than we were when we recorded the demo album. Wow. That's what he said to me. Wow. That's how tight you guys are. You know, he was giving a really good compliment, mm-hmm. and I was just blown away. I mean, how do you respond to something like that? You know, yeah. other than, thank you, you know, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And... um but Hal and I, we've remained con- we've remained friends, and I talk, I know, chat with him, talk with him from time to time. Um, but you know, we also play with Mike Weed. So the first year we played with Mike Weed from King Diamond, and Mike Weed happened to be dating one of one of my friends' friends, and it just so happens he was in town when we were doing this Halloween show, and. I told him, you, you know, I said to my friend, I said, if he wants to come up and play like two songs with us, we're going to do this one and this one and this one. He could choose whatever he wants. Yeah. He came up. Wow. He came up on stage and he played with us. And 
he was so such a nice guy. He was like looking to buy us drinks, you know, like, oh, I'm going to buy you drinks. You know, you guys did great, you know. Listen, man, thank you so much. But he, you know, he's just another one. He's awesome. So, you know, moving forward, we, at the third year, when we met again, I said, look, we have to, we have to do an original. Yeah. And after the four, it was three years. I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know it was that long. Three, three and a half years. So by the, by the, the end of the three and a half year run, we had, we had performed the four shows with Hal Patino. Okay. And once he left, something happened to our drummer's foot. And that's when they <laughs> he hurt his foot, hurt his ankle, I believe, and he couldn't play for a while. So perfect timing, right? Yeah. That's when I, that's when I, you know, like I, I, I dove in for the kill. I said, listen, now there's no excuse. He's going to be out of commission for three months, write some songs. And they did. They started writing songs. And then I just, then I got word from uh, some labels that wanted to bring back Cold Steel stuff uh, to re, like re-release it, remaster it, re-release it. I put all this on hold and made an EP, Cold Steel, uh, America Idol. Right. And those guys were also in that, too. And then, then we went on a tour with Halloween. Yeah, that's they decided, what I saw you. That's, that. that's yeah. what you saw me. Yeah, at stage 58. Yep. Stage 48? Stage 48. One of those stages. Yeah. And they decided not to do the tour with me. Um, really? And I said, okay, yeah, they, you know, listen, you know, like I said, again, you have family, you have obligations and responsibility, mm. no hard feelings, you know, I'm still friends with them, but they decided they, they couldn't do it or didn't want to do it or whatever the case may be. Mm. And I was at a point in my life where I needed to do it. And I did it. And I did, I had another band called Sanitarius from mm. Staten Island. They're another good band. They, they, you know, they came they met with me and we rehearsed and we went on tour as Cold Steel. And then we did the same thing in Europe. We played a bunch of uh, festivals in Europe. And that's when I went back to them. I asked the original guys that was in the King Diamond tribute band looking to make original of them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're just, we're, we're going to just do our thing. And I said, okay, but I keep in the, keep in the, the logo. Yeah. And uh, you know, and we're still friends, but they decided not to. Everybody has choices. Right. Yeah. So in the mix of all this, I had a dinner, uh, dinner meeting with one of the guy, one of the labels, one of the small labels that was releasing one of the Cold Steel, you know, like one of the records. I, it was a record, the record, not the demos, but the record, okay. the debut record from Cold Steel, Freak Boy. And we, were, we met on Long Island. He's German. He's from a small label called Battle Cry Records. Okay. And he, was, he went to the Prague USA Festival in, in Atlanta mm -hmm. with the band Landfear. He's friends with okay. the guitar player. And he, while there, they decided to travel up the East Coast. He, this guy, his name is Andy. Uh, and Andy like, collects, he, he sells, he buys and sells. So he always looks for like rare vinyl because it's worth something to him and he goes brings it back and he sells it right so he's going up the coast they're traveling with him and he calls me up and he says hey troy this is andy now troy i'm on long island do you want to meet for dinner sure let's meet for dinner i met them and while i was there i said andy i have to show you things andy's so here i'm sitting andy's sitting here and across from me or right across from me was marcus ulrich from landfear and the drummer 
um, uh, Jean, we, we call him Jean, but his name is uh, Ergen. He was sitting right next to me, right? So, and they had other, I think two, two other friends with them that just went along, you know, for, for, the, for, the, for the show and the trip. So we're sitting there and I start, I had an iPad with me and I'm flipping through the iPad showing Andy. I showed him the logo. I showed him some makeup design, some concept art and stuff like that. And I told him what I was, what I wanted to do, what had happened with, you know, the, the band members and everything. And he says, listen, you, you need to, you need to do this soon, as soon as possible. Just because, you know, just, it sounds like a great offshoot, great idea of what's going on, what, what, What's going on with King? A little heavier, you know, maybe more dynamic, whatever the case may be. Because King's already progressive and dynamic. But, you know, just what you're looking to do, because I told him all the details, he said, you have to do it as soon as possible. Mm. So in the meantime, while this is happening, this, this little conversation is, you know, happening between Andy and myself, Marcus Ulrich, who's in them, right. he was listening, watching, didn't really say much. We became friends. And we, you know, just chatting back and forth. And he went back to, they all went back to Germany and he reached out to me. He says, hey, look, you know, who's, who's doing that record with you? And I said, to be honest with you, I don't know. But I'm telling you, I know I want to have, you know, good musicians that, you know, they just want to put something together and something special. Just something, you know, it's, wasn't, we weren't planning on making many albums, just one record that told us cool concept story. That, that I had, right. I had thought of. And he said, I'll do it with you. I'll do the record with you. Yeah, cool. So, uh, okay, let's do it. And we did. And then we started bringing other people in. And one, one, uh, one person that came in was Mike LaPond from Symphony X. Right, yeah. Mike is a great guy. And he used to watch me doing the King Diamond tribute when we played in New Jersey, because he lives right. in New Jersey. Yeah. And I told him about it. He said, uh, uh, I, I, lo I would love to <laughs> like I love this type of music mm. so he was in and at the drummer at that time was Kevin Talley from Suff he was in suffocation he was in a lot of different bands yeah. Kevin used to used to stay with me when he used to rehearse with suffocation okay. and at one particular point the band suffocation would rehearse in my basement so I saw him and then I would see him in the mornings he would we'd have coffee we'd, we'd talk a little bit and we would have um, little conversations. Mm. And one conversation would always be brought up by him. I would never, like, try to peddle what I was doing on him. You know, he's, he's the guy. He does this professionally. But I, I would always love to hear their stories, right. you know, his stories and what, what he's experienced. And he would ask me, you know, do you have some, something new? You're like, you know, you're, you're working on that, 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 that them album. You know, do you have something new? And each time he would come, because sweet, uh, Suffocation would, would play multiple tours in a year. Right. So each time he would come and stay with me for a few days and then, and then leave with Suffocation. Mm -hmm. And each time I'd play him a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. By the last tour he did, he heard the whole record. And he said, well, did, did you get a, a drummer yet? No. He said, you want, do you want, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> it's like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and he did it. So, and then the other guys fell into place from other people. Uh, Marcus Johansson from, from the other guitar player from Chicago. He came as a, a reference from uh, Kevin and another friend of mine. Uh, so he came into play through our U.S. connection. And then the keyboardist, Richie Zybo, he came through because he was in Lanfear 
or he still is in Lanthier with, with Marcus Ulrich. And we have a live bass player, Alex Palma. He, uh, he's in Septagon. And he's, you know, he plays with us. I would have never met Alex. I would have never been able to play with him. He's a, he's a great player, great guy. And he, and he looks like Joey DeMeo from Manowar. Oh, wow. <laughs> but he, uh, he would never have been part of this if, 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 uh, unless uh, Mike LePond wasn't so busy. Because Mike right. LePond, he, uh, at that time, he was touring with Symphony X, then Ross the Boss ever since. Oh, okay. I didn't know he was. You know. Yeah, he's always touring, uh, Mike. He's there in Europe now, I, I think. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, you fast forward, we did a bunch of shows last year. Uh, we did a tour with Halloween, just like Cold Steel. Them, I, I spoke with the, uh, the agency who handles Halloween, uh, they're called Bottom Row Entertainment, uh, based in Germany. And they said, okay, you know, you know, you, you, you know we'll have you do it. And we did, the, we did the tour with Halloween in early 2016, but our album wasn't out yet. Okay. So we sold a, a three song sampler CD with other merch and we toured across the U S and Canada. Uh, so, and after that, then we played, we did six runs, I believe last year, five or six runs in Europe. Were you, did you have all the, uh, the stage set up and everything? Yeah. So, yeah. So for the Halloween run, we played much larger stages. So we had everything. I mean, we had a, a 17 foot by like 10 foot high, a cemetery facade with trees and wow. you know full-size casket we had you know all this all this gear with us that was just and remarkable but i have to do i do have to say that one particular point halloween's management wanted us to stop using it yeah. because it was just upstage. you can't you can't upstage the headliner <laughs> and so we used it for like three shows and then we scaled it back a little bit but still it's still a great, good show we we also have actors and actresses that's different than a typical heavy metal show so right. it makes it more like a metal opera if you right. want to call it that so but uh, now in europe it was very interesting because i could see as the time has been going on more and more people come to the shows they 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 really enjoy the show and i'm not saying Americans didn't enjoy it, or the or the Canadians didn't enjoy it. Everybody enjoyed it equally. They really did. In fact, one of the best shows that I remember to this day was in Chicago. Really? Chicago, yep, Chicago was just off the hook. Um, of course, uh, Montreal, the Quebec province, fantastic shows, and they didn't even know us. I was going to say, know, Chicago is what they do with the uh, Prague Power, right? Where they do Prague Power? Prague Power is in Georgia, Atlanta. Oh, yeah. But Chicago was the, the Concord. It's called the Concord. Okay. And uh, that's the venue that we played. And they were chanting, them, 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 them. Like, hey, you're not supposed to do that for a direct slot, you know? <laughs> but um, nonetheless, we were very, really appreciative. In fact, that's the hometown of Marcus Johansson. He's from yeah. Chicago. So it was great for him. You know, it was great. Uh, but it was great for all of us. We had great experiences you know, whether it be in America, Canada, or, or Europe. I mean, it's just, just each country is different. And, uh, you know, there's different levels of intensity for what we do or for what just heavy metal bands do, you know. Fantastic. Really, really great. We never knew it would come up to this point where now we're at the second album. Yeah. And that right there, we, we actually, we heard we have a, a booking agent TRF bookings. Mm -hmm. They um, 
they they are uh, owned and run by uh, by uh, Dutch. Uh, they're from Belgium, and they they're fantastic, fantastic people. Uh, I, I love them. They're incredible. Corinne and uh, Guy, or Guy Guy. His name is uh, Guy. Uh, you spell it G U Y, or you could call him Guy. He says, but love him. He's like the friendliest guy ever. I love him. Love you, Guy. He's gonna be watching this tomorrow. I bet. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, so the thing is, they, uh, yeah, they really push. Subscribe, Guy. Subscribe to the show. He will. I'll make him. I'll tell him. But so moving forward, you know, they've been, they've done so much for us. They really work hard. I really hope, you know, they get more uh, bigger bands under their belt because they really put a lot into getting us, you know, really some pretty good shows and uh, some festivals. We got some festivals through them, but you know, we have. I, I never thought so this would happen, but you know, um, uh, SPV Steamhammer, Steamhammer contacted Guy because they were interested in a band called Air Raid. Okay. Now, I, won't go, I won't go into all the details surrounding, you know, real, real granular details. I won't go into that. But they were interested in Air Raid. Mm-hmm. And Guy said, uh, I also do bookings for them. Really? You do bookings for them? Okay. We're interested in them too. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so they sent us an agreement. They sent Air Raid an agreement. We ultimately, with possibly little negotiation, uh, I don't know what kind of negotiation went on on the Air Raid side, but we we said, okay, we're doing it. And for whatever reason, they didn't. Wow. So we wound up, uh, we signed an agreement in December. And uh, moving forward back in, so that was last December and then February we actually met with them they're all amazing people uh, they we went to their offices in Hanover uh, and you know we took a tour we had lunch with them we discussed business and they they're very they're very professional they're very efficient mm-hmm. they knew exactly what to do how to do it and one 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 uh, one thing that I'll say that was said was very very intelligent. Uh, it was said by by the a, by the A and R rep who who actually signed us, mm. and he he said, "Listen, you know, there's a lot happening in the scene. You know, you have a lot of bands that are getting older. They're going to start retiring, dying, disappearing mm-hmm. for whatever, and there'll be a void. You guys are going to fill that void." Wow. And I thought that was pretty pretty br- brilliant to to see something like that you know mm-hmm. like none of us would say wow you know yeah we, we can well guess what well you you fast forward from that point to now they they, they sold an, a decent amount a really decent amount of uh of physical pre-sales and things are just are happening things are just starting to change wow. uh, we, we'll call it leveling up level up leveling up <laughs> But it's, you know, we're humble. We're always humble. And again, I come back, I go, I go back to work. My, va- my vacation is a working vacation. Right, Wayne? <laughs> right, Greg? Yeah. So. How was it lugging all that uh, equipment around, though? Like the state set and everything. Well, so we have, okay, so I'll have stuff here for us when we do, when we do our shows here. And then our keyboardist, Richie, he he builds everything 
and he keeps a set over there. Oh, wow. So, and he's much more efficient. We'll call it German efficiency. The Germans are very efficient, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll call that German efficiency because he'll make it more compact and actually more like it, it could be condensed in a way where it's easier to travel. Unlike me where, oh, I'd have to have a full size casket. Nope, it won't break down. It has to be a full size casket. Which I'm nuts like that. So what was that? I said, which needs a separate truck just to bring that over. Oh, you know what? I would do that. <laughs> I remember, I remember when, when we did the tour with Halloween, uh, one of the guys, they were like, you, you're not bringing a tree, are you? A for tree? You're not bringing a tree, right? <laughs> well, yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, because putting it together, it take, look at this. It's like, how many of us, I was like, no, we're bringing a tree. We're bringing a tree. Because it's part of the stage set. Yeah. Since then, that was my original vision. Um, I definitely will, I will say that I've lightened up and you know what? Everybody's input is important. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we tailored our show and it, it, it's been tweaked that it flows. It has a really good flow to it. And the last show we played, that was, that was like the pinnacle of that tweaking. Mm -hmm. And we played, it was in Bavaria. It was a, a metalhead, it was called Metalheads uh, Festival. And it was in Bavaria, and it was an outdoor festival, and it was it was fantastic. And we walked away from there. We said, "That's the way we have to do it." Like we we figured it out, so to speak. So, but now you have this album. It's a whole new set of uh, circumstances that happened thematically, and there'll be different props, different you know, different actors and actresses, different costumes. Um, so, just it'll be similar in a similar vein, but different. So it'll be an interesting show. And the most important aspect of the show is music, of course. Mm -hmm. Music. Music, right? We say music is number one. Always the music because without the music, what is there? It's the music, right? So music number one, story number two. So, the, but the music drives a story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the story has to be interesting too. Yeah. We want my, my personal uh, goal would be to just see where you open up like back in the day you know back in the years and years ago where you could sit there and while you're listening to the record you open up the gatefold you have the, the sleeves the vinyl sleeves in hand and you're looking at the pictures and the, the smell of the printing hits your face right. and you have this you have something whole something tangible to hold in your hands and enjoy the artwork you look at the artwork over and over um, I remember doing that, you know, and how many years I haven't. I mean, I've done it with our record. I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, this artist, his name is Mario Lopez, who did this artwork. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy cow, this guy did such a great job. This artwork is just insane. He painted it. It was a painting. And I'm, I'm saying, I can't believe it. I'm looking at all the details printed on the gatefold. I'm appreciating it just for the art itself. And then every aspect, you know, the pictures, the, the printing, the, just the way it was put together, it just, that makes me happy. It makes the whole band happy because that is all the people that are involved. It's not just the band members. It's right. everybody involved. Mm -hmm. they, they take pride in what they do, and that's the results of it. Right. Definitely. As I, I, as you can see, I you know clicked CDs, 
I see that. You have quite a few. <laughs> you got me beat. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've been getting into vinyl. I, I was kind of like against it, you know, because who really liked vinyl? But then it became this like big crazy thing, you know. And, uh, Sony, Sony started up their plans again. This big like, crazy you know? thing, you know. <laughs> Sony starts pressing vinyl. Yeah, right. Crazy thing. Well, hey, it's a Sony thing. Yeah. Sony, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I started buying them, and it's just—it's a whole different experience. Because when I was younger, I didn't really have records. You know, I sold my parents' records, but they weren't nothing—you know, nothing like today. No, definitely not. So it's cool. Like I'm waiting for your album still from uh, Amazon, bastards. What did you? You ordered the CD, right? No, I ordered the vinyl. You did, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah I did too, and they haven't shipped mine yet either. Mine my God. Like, right, I don't even know what the thing looks like. It's amazing. And I'm not, I'm, I'm being, obje- I, gotta, I have to be objective. Uh, if, you, if you look at our first album, it, it's, it's good. It's nice. I mean, uh, packaging wise, mm-hmm. it looks great. But this one, it just, it, blow, it blows it away. Visually, visually speaking, that's, that's how I have to say, because you've heard it, but you haven't seen it. Right. Meaning you haven't seen the vinyl and the vinyl, and you get a CD in it. And just so you know, in one of the sleeves, the CD will be tucked away. So when you first open it, I believe that you, as well as everybody else who has opened the right gatefold, they think it's going to pop right out, and it doesn't. It's, <laughs> it's tucked, tucked all the way in the back. You have to really go fishing for it. All right. All right. Good. So, you Thanks know. for giving us that little tidbit there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> everybody should buy the vinyl one because, really, you're getting all that artwork. You're getting the blown-up you know, version of the artwork and everything. And plus, you get that, Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, mu- musically, this album just sounds so good. I, I just think it'd be great to hear it on vinyl. I'm a- actually kind of regretting selling you my King Diamond vinyl now, Wayne. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, it sounds the way it sounds because of how, aside from the actual music, um, you know, in the writing and, you know, you have so many other aspects, so many other layers, you know, you have, you know, the, the, the thematic content where you have the dialogue and the different actors and actresses that do, that perform the voiceover work. And, and then you have the production. The production is just, it, to, in my opinion, just my opinion now, is stellar. And there's a reason for that because... Very, very crystal clear. That guy, Dave Otero, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and we actually had several engineers involved. We had a, a, a two engineers from frequency, uh, frequency recording studios that recorded drums, bass, vocals. We had um, then the two guitar players and keyboard from Germany and the guitar player from um, uh, Chicago. They recorded in their own studios. But Dave Otero from flatlineaudio.com um, actually received all the files and he mixed and mastered it. Right. And, and aside from that, there's another layer that a lot of people might not know. Greg mentioned AOR before. Well, AOR, big, big, a big player in the AOR game is Paul Sabu. I don't know if that's a name that, that rings a bell. Paul Sabu, he, he's worked with uh, uh, David Bowie. He's worked with uh, Alice Cooper, singer, songwriter, pro. He's a pro, total pro, great guy. Great guy, too. Fantastic guy. I worked with him on a project, a Swedish project. I was telling Wayne off, off camera a while back that I worked with this band called uh, Secret Society. I did, they, they had this concept where I have a song and each song, a different singer. So they released a five song EP uh, early, uh, I think around in summertime, somewhere around the summer. 
uh, beginning of the summer, and I'm on one of them, okay? And I recorded it, and Paul Sabu did the backup, backing, additional backing vocals, let's just call it. And so then Paul Sabu and I just started conversing, well, great job, and, you know, great job, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of like patting each other on the back sort of thing. We did, a, you know, it was great working together in that sense. And he, he said, you know, what are you doing with, with the Them album? He says, I'm very interested in what you're doing with Them. I really like it. And it's, doing it. it's, yeah, so much you could do with it. And I said, you know, Paul, there's like one or two songs on there that, you know, if you would want to, maybe we can collaborate on. And he said, one or two? I'll, I'll work with you on the whole album. You just send me what, you just send me the music and I'll do my thing. You know, you do your thing and I'll work around what you're doing. And so I recorded, I can't even tell you how many tracks, uh, 20 tracks maybe per song, 15 to 20 tracks. And then he added his stuff. And then in the mixing process, then there's some songs that might have a little bit more Paul and a little bit less Paul. Um, next time we'll probably do things a little bit differently, but Paul is interested in doing a third record with us. So when we come, when we cross those, that bridge, then so be it. We are tweaking that little process, but keeping the core formula is the same mm. and uh, our drummer now uh who angel cote angel cote he uh he was the live drummer because kevin talley couldn't play right he was playing with suffocation okay. so angel was our live drummer live drummer live drummer the whole time and then we just said do you want to just do it i mean yeah. kevin is very busy you know do you want to do it but he, he also plays the drums for demolition now okay so well, that's not so bad it's one other band you know like so we'll work with you and do you want to do it he says yeah so you know that was in december around december november december and he he said yeah i i want to do it and we love angel but you know what i have to warn you if you ever have to sleep with sleep in the same room as him oh my god he likes to watch uh <laughs> tenebre which is uh it's uh what's his name it's a b a b rated like uh -huh. movie uh, and it, 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 he would watch it. We'd fall asleep, and I would wake up to the this droning, uh, the the main theme of the movie Tenebre. And if you look it up on YouTube, Tenebre, it's creepy. It's very creepy. So I wake up like six o'clock oh, yeah. in the morning because the time difference has changed. I'm like, dude, what the hell, man? You scared? I'm waking up scared. <laughs> you know? And you know what the funny thing is? We did two. What was that? This is the guy who's got pinhead behind him. Yeah, I know. I, I love Halloween. I love scary stuff, but then I get scared easily, right? Such a plus. <laughs> That's the Troy in me. The KK in me, <laughs> he's not scared or anything. So Angel, he, uh, you know, because this became like a kind of like a joke and whatnot, like between us, like getting scared, me, Troy getting scared. Um, we, actually, they, we actually recorded a bonus track from that soundtrack. It's called Phenomena, and it's it's actually an instrumental, but it's it probably going to be released on like a seven-inch vinyl uh, sometime next year, along with a second bonus track, and also those two will probably find their way on a, a Japanese release of Man of the Seven Gables as well, potentially speaking, not out of our control, but I, I told the guys, I said, you know what, maybe, you know, if we do another album and we have to, you know, have to do another two bonus tracks, Let's do Tenebre, the one that I get scared, you know, because it's another song from that soundtrack. And it's just creepy, creepy 70s vibe. It's really cool. 
really cool stuff. Interested to hear that. Yeah, me too. Uh, I know the song. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. a creepy movie. <laughs> Cre- creepy movie, let me tell you. Heard of it. I've never seen it, though. What was I going to say? Oh, shit. I don't oh, Suffocation is awesome, too. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I love Suffocation. <laughs> yeah, Suffocation are great. Right now, they're doing a Farewell Frank tour. Uh, Frank, uh, he's he's uh, he's not going to be over the years. Frank has been, uh, you know, kind of like picking certain shows to do. I, I don't know. It seems that way. So I don't know personally wh- why they do what they do. But they have another singer, Ricky Myers, that has been doing the shows that you know he wasn't playing. So, but now there's like an official farewell to Frank, uh, you know, farewell tour. So they've been playing and. Yeah. I have to catch them because I'm, I like to see them again. I'm friends with those guys and, you know, uh, Hobbs. Hobbs is, he's, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Sometimes I like post something for them. We'll say, damn rules, you know, or something like that. Like he's just, he's hysterical. But they're, they're great. They're great. They're great people. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, catch that door. You should, you know, I mean, it's it's Frank it's it's Frank's last go around, that's for sure. And you know, he's with the band from day one, so you know, it's it's definitely a show to see. You know, and they're, they're like they're icons, they're icons, they're icons. And, oh yeah. So you know, around since what? I think the '80s, right? Yeah, I remember when I was in Cold Steel. I remember we you you know we shared venues with them. You know, we shared shows. I think there was one show we played where they were on the bill. But um, it goes back to that time period. Yeah. So it's, they've been around. Yeah, they have been. Yeah. Getting back to them, though. Um, so everybody's pretty much the same from the first album, right? Except for the drummer. Yep, everybody else is the same, except for Angel. Yeah. I was listening to the uh, first album earlier before we did the show, just to refresh my mind, because I haven't listened to it in a while. And it's, it's funny how, like, a, what a huge difference it is from this new album, I think. That's what some people say. Uh, we we feel that too. Yeah. It's definitely different. It's you it's like, hear it. At, what? I would say from our point of view, it, it's you you hear like uh, an evolution. Mm-hmm. Like definitely. it's it's evolved. Definitely. It sounds like a whole different band, actually. Like just I don't know. <laughs> kind of does, right? Yeah, it's just it's weird. Like you know, it's the same players, but it just seems like the guitarists there. Um, they just they they like I can't even uh, say what I want to say. Um, they like locked in with each other on this album for some reason compared to the last album. Hmm, it's very interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little secret. So on the first record, the guitar player, uh, Marcus Ulrich. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our German guy. We'll call him Ule. Ule from now on. Ule. <laughs> Ule. So Ule, he recorded all the rhythm mm-hmm. and then the leads, they, they flip flop the leads. Uh, so on this album, we didn't do that. Ah. Each guy is playing their own respective part throughout the whole album. That's why. On the first album, Ule uh, wrote all the, all the songs structurally, you know, rhythmically. Uh, he wrote all the songs musically and structurally, I meant, you know. Uh, of course, everybody put their own parts in no matter what they were doing. Right. But on this album, we have three tracks that were written by Marcus Johansson. Um, and I have to tell you, I love the contrast between the two of them as soloists, as writers. They're both really great songwriters. 
and soloists. They, they, I, I wish I could just sit back and just watch everybody play, yeah. you know, <laughs> as a fan, because I, I love watching good guitar players, good drummers, you know, like, it just, these guys amaze me. And what's even more amazing, we get along. Yeah. <laughs> we actually get along, you know, we get along. And can you imagine that? Just meeting people for the first time, how stressful that is that you have to start tap dancing. Yeah. Let's start tap dancing and we have to entertain people and not get booed off the stage. Right. Yeah. That's how it was when we first met. We had two days to get our stuff together. Wow. And we did it. And people, when we did our first shows in Canada, was at what's called the Corona Theater in Montreal, Quebec. And they, they came, some people came up to us. Oh my God, how long have you guys been playing together? Mm. Uh, two days. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You sounded awesome. Sound like you've been playing for years. Wow. Two days. So, yeah, these guys are something else. And, and we've actually evolved. Not only, I mean, it was a recording project, which evolved into a band. Mm-hmm. which evolved into family where we love you. We love you. I love them. They love, I hope they love me, but I love them. And I, could, I could be a, I could be a real jerk though, but I love them. And they, we, it's very, it's a very loving atmosphere and um, they're just great. They're great people. And we get to experience, they come here, they experience a different culture. We go there, we get to experience a different culture. So it's this, we get to experience an adventure together from two different continents. How cool is that? How many people get to, get to do that? Yeah. What do you do? Not many. <laughs> like, like something like this? Or how do you like communicate with each other? Well, we, uh, sometimes it's the phone. Very rarely, though. Most of the time, it's through like an instant messenger app. Sometimes, mainly Facebook messaging. That's the easiest. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we'll do Skype. Uh, but most of the time, it's or FaceTime, like something like that we get most it's almost it's weird because it's almost like you know we're all in tune with what we have to do mm-hmm. you know again it leads to the german efficiency aspect yeah we have we have we'll have like a mood like okay here's the story what do we need what are we going to do beats per, beats beats per minute beats per minute and we kind of like we figure out okay bombastic beginning boom it dies down boom it slowly builds up to a climatic bombastic ending yeah. How do we do that? Okay, boom, here's song one. Song one, where does that fit? What's the beat per minute? Oh, it's track four. Oh, here's another one. Here you go, Troy, here's another song. Where's this? Oh, that's song number eight. Oh, this is song number three. You see what I'm saying? And you put the pieces together as a puzzle. Musically, no vocals whatsoever, nothing. And then I'll create vocal mapping. I call it a vocal mapping. So it's like scat singing. Right. You know, you know, just words that don't mean anything. Right. Yeah, you put, put words together, and, but it's the melody, the vocal melody. Mm-hmm. And I put that in. It's cool. It's pretty cool. I put harmonies, even to that. It's funny. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of weird listening to it, because, but you have, to, you have to envision the final is going to be 20 times better than that, than what you hear at that moment. Right, yeah. And so they let me do my thing my way, and they do their thing their way, and it works so and then you know now we the only thing we're going to do differently next time is we, we said we're going to all record at flatlineaudio.com okay. because Dave Otero said he said listen you have to give me one time just one time at least one time I, I totally understand he it gives him the full ability to really sculpt us 
mm. not change us, but sculpt us mm. into something even, you know, like a volume further. Mm. It'll be really cool. Yeah, so. definitely. This album is great. Just, you know, seeing how you, you guys did it just through, you know, Facebook Messenger and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah that's... How you put an album like that together. I, I don't and, know. Then, and then talk about getting together for a tour. We have to practice on our own. And yeah. then we get together for a few days before. Like the first run will probably be there a few days before. Mm. We practice, practice, practice. We have actors and actresses as well on hand. And at, by the end, we put everything together and we go out, we play. Wow. But then subse subse subsequent runs after that, we'll probably meet like maybe like a day before. Like we'll get there a day. When I say a day before, we'll have a day of rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So we'll get there two days before. Right. First time out, we'll, this first time, we'll probably get together three days before, just so we can prepare. But once you start getting the gears going, just coming back, we only need like one day of rehearsal. Oh, yeah. and, then we'll, and then we'll go out and play, you know, five, six shows or whatever it is. And it's better that way because we could break it up. We could try to hit some festivals or some other, you know, bigger events. And we, we factor in shows, whether it's in nearby countries, nearby areas. And, you know, it's... I think it's great because when to go out now, like three weeks, four weeks in a clip, it's just, it's just really hard. It's really difficult to do something like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, people have kids, they have family yeah. obligations, yep. big great Danes like that keeps walking in here. You can't see her. <laughs> Rick's got a maid in his back. Yeah. Oh, that's my roommate. <laughs> Looks like a maid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but that's 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 pretty much it that's cool um how did like how did um uh, it, is, is this like a continuation of the first album i mean obviously it is but like did you have the story already like in your head for the second one yeah so when we did the first album like i said originally it was supposed to be a recording project a one-shot deal mm -hmm. however as a failsafe i said you know what just in case, how did this story continue? How could I make this story continue? And then when I saw the response and uh, the album Sweet Hollow first came out, I said, you know what? I spoke to Ule and I said, there has to be a second one. It's gonna be called Matter of the Seven Gables. And he's like, what, really? Okay, sure, <laughs> you know, cool, like that. So, and, but he didn't really know. I started telling him a little bit back then. He said, wow, this sounds crazy. So I had basic core ideas of where it was going to go and how it was going to go. Just like I know how it will continue now. But you'd have to, you'd have to kill me. You'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to put bamboo shoots under my fingernails. <laughs> Not kidding. So, but yes, I actually, if, if there would be a third record, I would have, I, I already have a title. I already have like, I would say half, half the titles of the songs. I already yeah. know three quarters of what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and to answer your question, it is a direct yeah. situation, thematically. You broke up, what was that? Oh, so to answer your, your question originally, mm -hmm. it is thematically, it is a direct continuation. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, even more so, at Matter of the Seven Gables occurs moments before Sweet Hollow ends. Okay. So when you, when you listen to Sweet Hollow, um, at the very end, K.K. Foster is performing this, um, this ritual to try to save the soul of Mary Hawthorne, okay, who resembles his deceased daughter, Miranda. Right. So he 
he, he's, he's performing what's called an, uh, a transportation exorcism. He stabs her, right? This is part of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And she screams, and that's it, right? It ends. Well, what you didn't know was, let's fast forward to Man of Seven Gables. It opens up with three children, three kids, playing a game called Ghosts in the Graveyard. Think of it as a reverse hide-and-seek. But more importantly, that's a song on the first record, Ghosts in the Graveyard. That's how Mary and her brother, uh, Eric, met KK in the cemetery, and they played this game, Ghosts in the Graveyard. Well, they weren't the only kids around that time. There were these other group of kids were playing in the cemetery, Sweet Hollow Cemetery, at the very moments that the final parts of the ceremony were being you know, conducted. And these children stumbled upon it. And in, you know, being shocked, like not knowing, they see, you know, looks like someone is gonna die. They go run and they get, they let the, uh, the, the, the town constable know that something, you know, really bad is gonna happen. Hmm. And it did, he, he sacrificed her. And while he is, he's really like um, kind of absorbing what's happening, mm-hmm. his assistant, who is unnamed in the first, but he nonetheless, nonetheless he was there. His right. name is Remsen. Remsen, yeah. Remsen asks him, this is, you know, master, you know, are you okay? Because he, he, he sees that something is happening to him. And you hear KK making like grunts. He's like, Ugh. you know, like, and he was, he was possessed mm-hmm. and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm alive and breathing for now. You need to go. We need to leave. You need to prepare. We need to leave right now mm-hmm. because Remsen's saying they're coming. They're coming. You hear the dogs barking. They're, the, the crowd is coming. They're coming to lynch him, right? Mm-hmm. Because they don't understand what he's about, what he's doing. Right. They take off right before they leave. KK says to the, the now, the vessel that lays before him. He says, you know, there were better things for you, Mary, and you will return from the afterlife once more. Does say that. And then they they flee. They wind up taking a treacherous route to uh, an an indirect route, which was much more treacherous than if they would have taken a direct route, to Salem, Massachusetts, because they, uh, KK knew of, a, uh, of a coven that were they took refuge they took uh, they were housed in this manor mm-hmm. and they called it manor of the seven gables and, and it was a coven so they go, they reach their destination they're taken in by sarah who is a scullery maid but she's also you know she's part of the whole um you know the, the whole group she's not really part of the she's part of the coven but She's more of a, a maid, and she takes them in. She, she, she helps them. And she senses that KK has this possession, and she wants to help him. And, uh, but in the meantime, back at Sweet Hollow, they discover the bodies of Mary. They discover the bodies of Henrietta, all, uh, John and, and, uh, and uh, Alyssa. Uh, they are all deceased, not Alyssa, Matilda, her name is Matilda. Alyssa was KK's wife. KK, you got so, some explaining to do. So they, they, they find all these bodies and they want KK to be brought to justice, dead or alive. So they contract Peter Thompson, the last known witch hunter. Son of a bitch. And he 
he hunts them down. So while he's hung, while he's looking for them, back at the coven, they, they cleanse KK. They cleanse him. Uh, that's in the song As the Sage Burns. They actually cleanse him. Love that song. And it's a, yeah, it's a, actually, that, that we're making a video for that. This oh, video. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to come out, uh, I think, first quarter of uh, 2019. First or second quarter. So right before we, we go uh, on our first leg. It's going to be a regular video, not like the, uh, the lyric uh, video. No, it's going to be a regular video. Yeah. So, but, but then you have um, Remsen, uh, Peter Thompson. After the cleansing, Peter Thompson finally makes way to the, the, the matter and instructs his men to, you know, close in. And they know that, that KK is in there. And Sarah takes KK and Remsen to a secret stairwell for escape. And KK decides to stay behind and tells Remsen, you know, go on. You know, now it's time, you know, it's time to, to flee. But more importantly, he, he must, he's vital to completing the second part of their plan, which Remsen asks him previously, do you want me to return for the second part of the plan? And he's like, no, not, you know, just patience. They need to hear word from the Raven because the Raven brings word that Peter Thompson's on his way. So KK knew that things were going to go south. Right. So he, wa he wants Remsen to flee. He's staying and he's going to bite the bullet. So Peter Thompson, you know, gets in and he apprehends Sarah and KK and Sarah is taken before a jury. And, um, you know, basically she's brought up on charges of uh, harboring this, this criminal and, and mass murderer because they don't understand what KK, KK really didn't kill any, like he didn't purposely kill anybody. So right. he was trying to help and it was really, it was marriage, but they pinned all the deaths. Um, and, they, they, they said she was harboring this criminal and this killer, and they, they pressed her to death with stones. Out of an act of, of, of rage, KK performed uh, an evil act of sorcery because he is a warlock, mm -hmm. uh, and he, he destroys the whole entire jury. Peter Thompson's still there, and he takes KK, and he, he takes KK, and while he, take, he has his men destroy the manor, so he and all the, the the remaining witches that are in there, he destroys everything, burns it down, mm. and then he takes KK to the town square, and he says, you know, do you have any last words before you, your your demise? Right. And KK just says, you know, you don't you don't understand like what we're about, and and you know, you you reap you reap from our demise. You make money, you make money from our deaths, but soon you won't be able to do that because he was the last one. And Peter Thompson's just like, yo, I, I know I'm gonna, I know I made, you know, I'm making money, but you know, when I killed, when I killed your wife and your daughter during the Hemisphere trial, I did that for my pleasure. Now KK didn't know that because in the very beginning of Sweet Hollow, KK, we learned that KK lost his entire family. He lost his wife Alyssa. He lost his wife Miranda uh, because of him trying to resurrect his baby whose name was Abby, he tried to resurrect her because the baby died. And being a family man, he tried to bring her back. Mm -hmm. The townspeople took KK into town square in the beginning of Sweet Hollow and made him watch, besides destroying the baby, they, they took him to town square and made him watch as his wife Alyssa and daughter Miranda, his older daughter Miranda, were burned alive at the stake. But it was Peter Thompson who did it. Right, yeah. And KK didn't know that. And KK, aside from watching his daughters, sorry, his daughter and his wife be burned alive, and 
you know, not being successful. He was successful with the, with the raising of his baby, but they killed him. They killed the baby. Besides all of that, they branded him with an inverted Celtic cross. So he would, walk, he would walk the remaining days on earth, bearing the mark of evil so, and bringing shame to his family. And that's, you have to go back to that very beginning because now when you go to the end of Matter of the Seven Gables, he tells them, you know, I did that for pleasure. I didn't get paid for that. I did that one for pleasure. Cheerio, bye-bye. You know, he's, he's an English. He, 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 he hails from England, uh, Peter Thompson. And he, he's just like, bye-bye, see ya. And oh, by the way, don't forget to give my regards to your family. And, you know, it's just like, just... What a douche. You know, yeah, he's just a total douche. And KK is just, you know, he has his last words and he, he says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. And uh, you mark my words, I'll be back. And he gets burned alive, or so you think. Yeah. At the very end, he's like, enough, enough of this. Peter Thompson says, enough of this chitter chatter. Now die. Because, Pete, because, because KK started reciting an incantation. Mm-hmm. Peter Thompson thought it was an incantation to destroy him, Peter Thompson. Mm-hmm. But it was really a protection spell. I'll give you that much. <laughs> and then he's like, now die. And he lights, he lights and you hear the whole entire... You know, you hear the whole stake go up and, and you hear you hear KK screaming. Yeah. Well, why was he screaming? That's the thing. Where do you, the <laughs> where, do you where do you come up with this? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a whack job. <laughs> but I do have to tell you, I'm working with uh, an artist, Blair Webb. Yep. Uh, he, we're working on a, a graphical, um, you know, a graphical novel. Mm. That will span across the whole entire story. Mm. And it should be ready. If there is a third record, it should be ready in time to coincide with that release. If not, if there's not a third record, this will still be released uh, because it just has to be. Yeah, um, you know, but uh, I, I, I think, thank you. But I think it will, I think we'll see, we'll see, you know, we haven't seen the ending of KK Faso just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope not. You can't leave it on a cliffhanger, man. <laughs> hey, look, if the, if the Troy here goes bye-bye, then it's over, right? It's done <laughs> in that sense. That character, he's, it's been really tough, but I left it the way I left it for two reasons. Just in case if I had to go bye-bye. And secondly, if there wasn't a third record. If there's not a third record, then it's perfect ending. There's an ending to it, but I don't envision it being over, being over in that regard. So we'll, we'll have to see. But I'm just really happy that I was part of something great with these people. You know, everybody involved, fantastic, fantastic. Everybody was great. Everybody did something that, I mean, I, I, when we recorded this, we wrote this and recorded this in between, in between playing shows like. And think about, you have two different gear sets, gears, uh, gears that need to turn a certain way when you play live, and then different gears when you record, right. write and record. It's different. Usually bands don't, you know, they might do, do some doodling on the road, right? Yeah, they work with each other on the road, and maybe, you know. But a lot of the times, 
okay, we tour, we're done touring, and we take a break, and we write new material. Usually it's like that, you know, but we didn't do it like this for this album. We were, we played shows and flying out and then coming back, oh, I have to, oh, I didn't finish writing the song. Oh my God, I'll write it, in it. I'll write it on the plane ride coming back. I wrote, I wrote one of the songs, I believe it was Seven Gables to Ash on the way back on the plane. <laughs> from my last trip and then I had a session like two days later and it came out great I love that song yeah. you know the bottom line is whatever musically it moves me I you know it's just got to be the right time right time bam I'll nail it and it's that's got to be it's got to be like that with me I can't be pressured it's it's hard it's hard because I know sometimes you know, if I'm working on some stuff you know, Ula would have all his parts done. And I, I wrote two songs and everything else is done. And he's like, what's going on? What's going on, Troy? Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, it's just, I, I have to get juiced up. Yeah. Once I get juiced up and then I sit down and it's, it can't be pressured. It can't be forced. It will happen. Yeah. It will just happen. If you force it, it's not going to come out the way you want it to. Do you no. think it, it helped a lot to, uh, to record it that way? Or did it make it work, I, kind of harder to do it? No, I mean, to record it that way, uh, it was really interesting this time because there were so many different things being juggled at that time, um, out in, you know, outside of the music realm. But it made it challenging, that's for sure. Uh, and, you know, maybe part of me really loves to be challenged mm. where uh, I, I just, you know, I'm more, you know, more focused you know, if that makes sense, I'm become more focused on doing that, mm. uh, at that task at hand. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And just, then I just do it. But if I don't have some kind of, you know, some things going on, uh, I might become too lazy and then not, it's not do not, it. Uh, yeah, same. Exactly. I was going to say, like, you're already into doing your, your tour. So maybe you, you know, if you're doing that while you're, you know, on tour, record while you're on tour, uh, you know, you're still into doing it, you know? True, but I think next time we're going to try to avoid that. <laughs> Meaning, give us a little bit, you know, just give us a little bit, a little block of time yeah. where we can just, you know, work on what we need to work on. Mm. We have a show. Oh, the show's a year from now or whatever, half, half a year. Well, you have a half a year. Mm. Half a year to write, demo, everything's done. Oh, we'll play the shows, come back, then record. Right. Because you also have to plan when you're going to record you can't just say, oh, okay, Dave, uh, Mr. Taro, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in next week. No. <laughs> you book him like months in advance. So right. you have to book him months in advance. You got to book pretty much everybody that you do, you work with months in advance. Just like you book shows. We book shows eight months in advance. Right. You know, like right now they booked a good, I don't even know how many dates, but they booked quite a few, quite a few, like at least one or two runs, but they're long. Not long, but like, I don't know, a dozen shows, maybe more, but they're booked. I don't even know what all of them are. Someone from uh, one of the promoters from Spain posted, oh, here, three shows, beginning of June, you know? Oh, wow, I guess we're playing, I guess we're going to June. Like, I just found that out, but we'll, 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 know, we'll know the dates really soon, and there'll be, there'll be more over the course of time, but it's, uh, it's like a roller coaster. Mm. So roller coaster. Are you going to start this year, do you know, or is it next year? Uh, the first shows will begin in May. 
Okay. The, like the second Something. week of May. Okay. Yeah. Does it start in the U.S. or does it start in Europe? It starts in Europe. Okay. It starts in Europe, but it will come. It, we will do U.S. shows. I'm thinking because U.S. is so big. Now I'm telling you, when we drove, uh, when we did like I don't know seven or eight shows in the U.S. and Canada. I mean, we drove for like two and a half weeks. It was like thirteen thousand miles. I'm just giving you an idea. Okay, to literally drive from New York to Canada back. And then across the United States to, to LA, that's where we ended up. And then drive back. It was like three and a half weeks. No, sorry. Two and a half weeks. We did it in 13,000 miles. Now we drove in same amount of time through multiple countries, you know, Germany, Denmark, Netherlands, you know, uh, we drove through France, Spain. Uh, it was just insane. It was like 3000, three and change. Let's say, sorry, 3,000 kilometers. So what does that work out to? But it's less than driving the U.S. and back, right. you know, and it's just, it's just, you could take, <laughs> it's just, so I think what we should, what we're probably going to be doing is we'll do like maybe one, like an East Coast to Canada run, that sort of thing. Mm. Maybe another run, be West Coast or Central West Coast, something like that. I'd say at least two runs for U.S. and Canada. We'll break it up. It's, there's no way it would be, we'll be playing for like a month. If okay. we any other way but we'll definitely we'll be back but it'll be after europe then we'll come to us and canada there's even talk about us playing in south america so that would be a first too that's cool yeah. be cool to see you guys come to minneapolis <laughs> i'll keep that in mind and it's right by canada <laughs> there you go that's true, <laughs> that's true. I would love to play in every state if possible, or most states. That you, would be you, a great, great thing. You know what? There's uh, there's such a large size metal scene here, and uh, you know, Impaler's still the biggest band in the area. So people are really into theatrics. I uh, I think you do real well here. What's the biggest band? Impaler. Impaler. He said, "Yeah." Well, you never know what's going to happen, but I, I'm I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting Cool. We'll see. But I definitely, I, I, I would like to play, uh, you know, at least some key, some key areas. And it seems like Halloween, they, they, they actually did a similar run. And I asked them, well, I asked the manager, uh, because he had, you know, he had an involvement with that. Whereas, you know, they played certain, uh, they had a certain pattern that they followed. Right. And they didn't go in the south, and they didn't go too north. It was weird. It was just bizarre. Like it was kind of like went up and then down and then across. But one time it went to Seattle, but actually no, both times it went to Seattle. Second time we we played Seattle. I played Seattle with Cold Steel. We played up. Uh, it was called uh, the uh, El Corazon, and that was like where Nirvana and Pearl Jam. That's where they blew up on the scene. But you know, back in the, the early '90s, uh, so we played there and. It was disastrous to get there and get, and get out of there. It was like, like 16, 15, 16 hours there from Utah, because we played in Utah when I was with Cold Steel. Utah to literally, it's like 15 hour drive to Seattle. And then 17 hours, we, went, we had to drive to Anaheim. And we did it. And when we were with them, it was just so much more gear, so much more equipment, you know, and all, so much more people. And the, our tour manager was saying, that's not happening. Yeah. So, but, but, what, but your voice would do all that traveling. 
What was that? How do you deal with your voice uh, doing all that traveling? <sighs> Let's see. Um, well, I try to drink like warm, like warm, like warm tea or warm, like, you know, something warm, even warm water, uh, lemon, honey. Honey is very important. This guy's because... bringing everything. He's got maids. He's got a cat in his lap now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so honey is the most, m most important uh, element to add because the honey when let's say your voice becomes tired and mm. let's just say and it sounds hoarse mm. it, your vocal cords separate right so the, the, the honey actually brings it back together mm. and like you, your hoarseness will go away when you you actually you know just like have honey go down your throat mm. you know like just gradually go down your throat so i'll, I'll have some honey and and if you have mucus the, the, the lemon is supposed to get rid of the mucus mm. like if that you know because that happens too sometimes but I have to say the the worst experience I ever had was when we were in Spain. Uh, we were having great shows. It was really really fantastic shows. And then out of nowhere, I got sick. And it was in um, a t uh, area called Zaragoza. Right. And it's like like in the desert. It's literally like in the middle of in the desert. And they actually experience uh, siesta over there. So when we first arrived, it was like a ghost town. Like it's like three o'clock. Like where is everybody? They were all sleeping. And then five o'clock comes around. We had done sound check. Everybody appeared. I remember going for like um, you know coffee and you know just something quick to eat. And I just all of a sudden I just felt sick. And I, I st we were performing. I'll never forget we were performing. And like second or third song in, I'm like I'm done. I'm like I ca I can't do this. That was the only time ever, ever literally ever that I've ever performed that I got that sick that. I, we played the whole set, but we pulled out two songs, wow. and it was it was tough. It was really hard. And then I told our tour manager, "I'm done." We had one show left, mm. and that was in Barcelona. The next night, I said, "I'm done. I can't do it, man. I'm just I'm really sick." Yeah. And we we called it, and so we're gonna do Barcelona. Mm. Um, I think we're doing Barcelona. Ah, actually, we're doing out of the Spanish run, the Spain shows. We're doing Barcelona first because they learned. <laughs> so we're, we're doing Barcelona first, and we're doing it like the other way. Yeah. It's like Barcelona's on the east coast, and uh, we're gonna go, you know, to the west coast. Yeah. And um, it was just, it was unfortunate. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed. They wanted to see the group, and it was just nothing. Uh, I mean, I was sick. I was really sick. Yeah. And it was really, really such a, a devastating feeling. Like it just, it was devastation for me because I let people down. They, you know, people traveled. Right. People for, I'm talk, even talking about the Zaragoza show. They traveled hours to see us. Wow. And I'm like, I feel like, I felt like a failure. I felt, felt horrible because these people traveled. They, they probably, you know, saved up whatever money they had to come see us play. And, right. and uh, we couldn't give them the show that, that they deserved. And, it happens, right? People get sick. Especially with you, you know, yeah. you're gonna keep you're you're basically the show, you know. Not nothing to take away from the band, but without you, you can't really do the show. V visually, visually, uh, yeah, because I I'm dressed differently right. than them as well, and and I interact with the actors and actresses. So yes, in that sense, yes. But it's I mean, if one of the guys gets sick, aside from the drummer, maybe you know. It's probably squeak by a little bit better than me getting sick. Right. Yeah. That's the point. Like that's my voice. This right. is my guitar. You know, my my throat. You know. So they were. Um, Especially everybody when everybody was down. 
all the different styles you do with your voice. No, who's going to really do that? You know, <laughs> it's it's tough. I know a few people that could do it. I know I know some people that could definitely do it, but it's it's just tough on the spot when you're really that sick. Mm. It's just it's not a good combination yeah. to try to do that and be sick. Yeah. No. So, anything else, Greg? No. Uh, um, unless you want me to talk about what I thought about the album a little bit. I was just gonna, I was just going to say that. You see, I think Greg and I are really in tune tonight. Just yeah. Things that. Bye. Go ahead. Lay, lay it on. Lay it on. Bad, good, different. Okay. Uh, let me bring up my notes here real quick. Uh, Do it up. I'll tell you what, even though uh, Peter's a real son of a bitch there, that British bastard, uh, I really like Witchfinder. That's uh, one of my favorite tracks off of here. That's good. The the range you hit on that with your voice is just amazing to me. I mean, you go through everything, the highs, the lows. It's just beautiful how it came out. Um, Let's see what else I have written here. I got to tell you one thing real quick about Witchfinder. We played that for a year before we recorded. Really? Yeah, I was going to really? say, it was going through YouTube and I, that video came up of you uh, doing a live show. But listen to it yeah. and you're going to laugh after you hear what I'm about to tell you. So for the year, I didn't have lyrics. I scat sang that every time. Really? And people were like, yeah! they were, they, were, they loved it. And you know what? I just, that the way I sang it is the way I sing it. Mm-hmm. But I have lyrics. I had lyrics when I recorded it. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but I just didn't have the time to write the lyrics. No disrespect to anybody, but it, I, I had to do it that way. There was no, no way around uh-huh. it. We said we were going to play this song, and I played it. Nobody knew, uh, because they wouldn't have known what the lyrics are anyway. Yeah. So now I will be playing it the real way with the lyrics. Awesome. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Greg. I thought that you would get it. Kind of no, that's, that's fine. That's really cool. <laughs> but, and, um, you, you know, maybe so, someday in the future you can get a uh, little tandem going with DLR there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, now that you say that, too, what I was saying about, um, you know, how you hit your whole range so well in that song, it makes a lot of sense, though, that you uh, – Scat sang it that way, and it ends up fitting so well. It did. It came. It came out really well. And when I first heard that song, <laughs> I, I said, "I'm gonna. I'm gonna write something special." I, I really, really enjoyed that song. That was actually the first song to be written off of "Matter of the Seven Gables." That that one, I have to say, um, and uh, then not to say copycat in any way but that's the one that reminds me i guess of king diamond the most like if i didn't know who you were i'd have thought that came off a king diamond record wow and that's a compliment i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna deny that i mean i'm a i'm a fan of king diamond not everybody in our group are fans fans i mean some of us like King Diamond more than others but um i have to say you know overall we we appreciate him as an artist and and uh, he's a master storyteller and, you know, just a master oh, yeah. musician, you know. I, I mean, I've always loved King. Uh, but, I, you know, I thought, you know what, I love, that's one voice that I use. And I have all these different voices. You know what, some of them coincide directly to voices he uses. And people, a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, he's copying him. Well, no, I use those voices 
but I also have other voices that he doesn't use, right. you know, and I'm sure there's a few voices that he might have that I don't use, but it's the common ones that that's where the common denominator lies between him and myself. Mm -hmm. like, you know, like Witchfinder, you know, you have some of the highs and, you know, this might be some lows in there too that might, you know, say, oh, wow, that sounds, that sounds a little bit like King Diamond or a lot like King Diamond, but then yeah. I'll sit clean. And that doesn't sound anything like King Diamond. So that's no. like, what, what happened here? Like, where, where did this come from? You know? So that's how a lot of reviewers, they, um, majority of the people that reviewers, they, 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 they get that, you know, they, they understand and they might listen to the whole record and, and they, they, they wind up saying, you know what, he, he uses some, you know, embellishing here and there. And just, it's like a, either a tip of the hat to King or a nod to King or, whatever it may be, but it's, you know, it reminds you, the listener of King Diamond, but then he doesn't sound anything like King Diamond. So it's like mind boggling. I like that. I like keeping people on their, you know, you know, thinking, oh, yeah. what am I going to do next? <laughs> and, and I like that a lot too. And, um, you know, and that, that's one of the things where I meant it as a uh, compliment, definitely. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot of, other bands that really try to play in this style. So King Diamond's really one of the only comparisons I really think you can make, but uh, you know, you take the general idea, totally make it your own. I mean, this record is just such a fun ride and structurally, okay, it kind of runs the same, Abigail, conspiracy, whatever, but it's your own story. You do it your own way. Uh, there's some similarities, but I mean, uh, I see it more as a, a carrying of the torch than anything, you know. I, I, I will, I understand that. What, you know, everything you just said, and I agree with it. Um, you know, people, if you listen, if you listen to any group, like take, for example, Ghost. Well, Ghost first came on the scene, right? I remember reviewers over and over yeah. and over again. They're like Blue the Colt. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> totally where they got them costumes from i think but <laughs> was that creator right yeah terrible certainty uh-huh so i mean you you have all these reviewers that would say i remember this one guy i forget which what, what it was a youtube video and he was saying oh i got the new ghost record the, the, the debut and i was so excited the imagery and it, it's just so incredible i put it in my player and i'm listening to it and it sounds great it sounds great i'm listening i'm waiting for the singing and it sounds nothing like King Diamond. No. And he was so disappointed. The guy was so disappointed. I actually felt bad for him. But like, <laughs> but like all the reviewers said the same thing pretty much. They sound like Blue Oyster Cult. They sound like Blue Oyster Cult over and over and over again. And you know what? People, you know, people relate. They hear something, it triggers something in their head, in their brain. And everybody thinks differently. Mm -hmm. But there might be a common denominator. Like I was talking to you before about the, th exactly, the three yeah. voices that I might use that King uses, and right away, boom, it makes a connection. Well, that's where I heard it from, you know. And that's not a bad thing. Some people might use it and say it's a bad thing, but it's it's not necessarily a bad thing unless that's all you do, and then it sounds like you're just flat out trying to copy someone or something. Mm -hmm. And there are other groups out there that sound like the singer sounds more like King Diamond than I do. And there's a band called Attic, which I actually happen to like them. I enjoy them. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're actually, they're, they're pretty good. And uh, they sound more like Merciful Fate musically. And the singer sounds mm. like a young King Diamond. And they're, you know, 
he he sings like that all the time, and that's that's cool. That's I like him. I I, I enjoy them. I have both of their records, and uh, I enjoy their imagery and their artwork, and you know, just the last record, uh, Sanctimonious. It's, it's killer, killer packaging. And there's another band. Uh, I think they're on Metal Blade. Uh, a portrait. portrait. Yeah, right. Okay. They're on Metal Blade. I think yeah. Portrait. They're they're another band. They're great musicians. They're really good, and you know, you you just have. There are more and more bands that are kind of like developing this subgenre that you know has a little bit of little bit of little taste of what King used to do. Because when you know when we were when we were younger, when we were kids, right? You had you know you had like Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and all of a sudden King Diamond. You know nobody or or Merciful Fate. Like nobody sounded like them. Maybe the music sounded a little bit like, in my opinion. Like more like Iron Maiden, like maybe Iron Maiden-ish, if, if that even, can, you can even make the connection. A little bit. Uh, you know? but, but the vocals, nobody sounded like King. And so now when you fast forward, people, you know, because like you could look at other bands and say, hey, look, you know, all these bands that do the Cookie Monster vocals, mm-hmm. why don't they sound like everybody else? They're all doing Cookie Monster vocals or the screaming. You know, wow, that sounds like this band and this band and this band. All these different bands, but nobody really says that. But I think, depending on what influence, what influenced you, as, when you're writing and, and you're performing, that's it, it, it's 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 definitely like dialed in in your DNA, so to speak, to be a certain way, and and then you have your own ideas. Right. So, you know, that's what you hear on this record. I mean, we have influences, uh, like you know. My background is is thrash metal. Right. I, I love thrash metal. Cold Steel was a thrash metal. Speed metal, thrash metal. I love. Oh, yeah. I love. I love thrash metal. My favorite bands, you know, Forbidden, Death Angel. You know, I I love thrash. You know, same thing with um, um, our guitar player, uh, uh, Marcus Ulrich. He's his roots are thrash, and then you have other musicians that prog prog metal, prog metal, and then our drummers, death metal. You know, it's like it's you combine all these different subgenres of heavy metal because we perform heavy metal and we do it in a way where, hey, look, you know, there's some tracks that are like blistering thrash, you know, but with keyboards, you know, like that's mind boggling. Blows blows my mind away when I'm like, wait a second, we have keys, you know, we have keys and Richie is awesome. He's just he's a fantastic player and a musician and he has he's perfect for this because without him. We wouldn't have any of this, any of this ambiance. Yeah. You know, it would be just straight ahead, just straight ahead music. And Richie adds another layer, another depth to it. Right. So even oh, with, yeah. um, with Witchfinder, I... Witchfinder Witch too, at the very end, he has this, this piano piece that is just, it blew my mind when I first heard it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the way the keyboards work with the drums on this album. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> There's a mix of everything. And, uh, like you said, the thrash and the uh, like progressive stuff. It's, it's a mix of everything on this album. And you know, I really There's like, even some blast beating. Yeah. And it, it, it all does. Yeah, there is. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> I bet you did. Angel enjoyed playing it too. <laughs> I gotta tell you a little, a, little, a little something more about when we were recording that. It was funny with Mike, Mike LaPon, when he was recording his parts. He was there, he's sitting there, and he's playing. And he's like, wow, this is, this is challenging. <laughs> you know, he's playing along and he's great. And then after he recorded the record, I, I remember hearing him on a podcast 
and the, the interviewer asked him, he said, so Mike, tell us, what is the most, you know, what is, what was, what has been the most comp, like most challenging music you've played? And with no hesitation, he said them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's from Symphony X, you know, but I think maybe we have, we definitely, we, we have some pretty fast songs. So he plays some challenging, you know, challenging runs in that. And it's just, it's not easy. It's just, it's not easy. But um, it's uh, this, this album from the old album, because this one's a lot faster, I think. Than yeah, this is going to be fun. Oh, yes. It's, this is going to be fun playing live. <laughs> So I'm sorry, Greg. I didn't mean to interrupt you. We went on a tangent. It, it's fine. The cat's all over me. <laughs> well, you were, you were saying you like Witchfinder. I mean, was there anything, any other aspects of the record that you liked? Or uh, Witchfinder was probably my uh, favorite. Uh, Seven Gables to Ash. I, that's one of the heaviest songs I've heard recently. I mean, that is just a killer track. Oh. Um. The song I, I wrote on the way back from Germany. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, it's got everything. The rhythm's great. There's tons of double bass in it. Um, I mean, the two different guitar players. You just you nail it completely on that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, one, of, the, one of my favorites too. I, I, me personally, I, I really like that one too. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great one. Another one I like that's a little bit different is uh, circuitous. <laughs> circuitous. <laughs> ah, it's it's pronounced one way, then it's actually sung. It's uh, it's we it's it's sung circuitous. Circuitous. Okay. Yes, um, I think it's pronounced uh, uh, circuitous. I think that's okay. how it's pronounced. But but regardless, that that one was a. That was a tough one for me. I, I was sick when I recorded that. I was really? Sick. I was sick, yeah. But I pulled it off. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't tell. <laughs> no, and that's, that's uh, that scream in the beginning, or that high-pitched shrill in the very beginning, mm -hmm. that's actually multi-layered tracks all done by me. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say for the record, because a lot of people have accused me in the past that I use harmonizers. No harmonizers at any time have been used on any of my parts ever. Huh. ever. Yeah, a lot of people said, oh yeah, he uses harmonizers. And in fact, uh, they've accused uh, our, the recording engineers and Dave Otaro that he uses harmonizers. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> I know, I was working on the project. I, he does not use them. So, but yeah, so I remember when we recorded that, that one of the notes in, it's like a harmony in the very beginning of, of Circuitous, Circuitous that high high pitch the higher one i remember doing it and when we stopped we recorded it and we stopped and the engineer we're looking he's looking through the glass his name is Tarek, and he's looking through the grass glass and he just says wow <laughs> like, wow okay was that good yeah it was good okay and it's a wrap on that let's move forward well i had a lot of fun with everybody and so, anyway, so go ahead. I'm sorry. So you like you like that? So that's good. Oh yeah, the uh, guitar harmonies are great in that, and um, I really love how the album starts off with the harmonies, and you hit your your peaks and your valleys a little bit, and then it just ends in just brutal heavy metal. <laughs> um, 
Only only thing I disliked really, and th this is just with me with story albums in general. Uh, the two tracks after Witchfinder five and six, I can't remember the names off the top of my head right now, but uh, they they drag just a little bit. But other than that, I think the album flows great. It's just those two little moments where yeah. Ravna—that's the name of it, right? Ravna. Uh, yeah. So right after right after Witchfinder was uh, a scullery maid, which is really like an intermezzo. Right. Yeah. Like not even two minutes, just a little bit of dialogue to to see to let you know which way the story is going. And then you had um, uh, Ravna, yeah, which is more like laid that. back, laid back, yeah. So yeah, that brings the album up a little bit because it's like so, like in your face, like the whole you know first half of the album, and that kind of gives you like a little break from it, and then goes. The, right thi back. the thing is, not everybody would like that. In the case, you know, you know, Greg was saying, you know, he's not really too crazy about it. That's cool because there's some people that really yeah. aren't. But it was done. It was strategically done that way because it. That's where the story, you know, because like if you think of, you know, like look, remember when like the whole Star Wars original trilogy, right? Mm -hmm. It's a bombastic beginning, boom, it dies down, and it creeps up, creeps up, climatic ending. That's yeah. a very basic, basic formula mm -hmm. that I wanted to follow thematically, and in order to do that, we needed to have certain mood-driven music. And that's where that track came in, and, and you know what? I, I mean, I, I enjoy doing it, and it's 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 cool. But like, I like me personally, like playing live. I, I love playing faster songs. I like playing, you know, heavier and faster songs, probably because of what I personally like. But that song, people are gonna want to hear it. I mean, already, you know, quite a few people like it. You know, some people like yourself, not too crazy about it. But you know, I mean, put it this way: on our first record, there was a song called "Dead and Night," which is probably a little bit more, it was more upbeat than Ravna, but it's like people loved it. It was very, a very commercial sounding song, kind of like out of place from everything else, uh, more commercial sounding than Witchfinder, because Witchfinder has more, more guts to it and balls to it. But um, it's a song we play live and people love it. You know, they throw their fists up in the air, the lighters go on, whatever, they love it. And we have to play it. But, uh, I would prefer to play Forever Burns over that song or, you know, any, any of the fastest songs over Ravna. But I'm sure there'll be some runs we'll play it, some runs may, maybe not. Uh, we do a third album, we might not play it. I don't know. It all depends on what the crowd overall wants to hear from a live perspective. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be able to gauge that as we play, you know, the songs. But it's, it's, it's understandable. You know, you want to create like the faster stuff. Yeah, like yeah. love the faster stuff. I mean, uh, Seven Gables, Punishment by Fire, that's... Uh, the eight-minute, the Punishment by Fire, eight minutes, over eight minutes, that song. Love and, that song. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, 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 I enjoyed working on that. I really... Did you... Uh, Greg, did you like the, uh, the dialogues? The, like any of the, did you like the Peter Thompson dialogue? I did. Um, yeah. I, I, I felt it all worked together really well. And um, uh, the, the dialogue, just uh, the, the way it's written and your word choice, I mean, um, you know, it really gives you that old hammer horror feel. And uh, it just works perfectly with the mood of the album. I really enjoyed the dialogue. 
Now, did you do all those yourself? Or was there other people that did them? No. Uh, I wrote everything. Hmm. I wrote all the dialogue. Uh, if there was any tweaking, I did it. But they were all executed by individual people. Okay. So whoever did Remsen was Remsen. Peter Thompson was actually our bass player from Cold Steel. <laughs> I had a great job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I involve people, I involve friends, I involve family. So, uh, yeah, and my daughter was on this record. She was on the last record. She sang on the last record. This record, she had some, some dialogue. Uh, my, my girlfriend's on, on this record. She's on in uh, As the Sage Burns. She's the high priestess that talks on this break. Okay, that's yep, cool. That's, yep, and then we have Sarah, who's played by someone else. Um, it's the guy who plays Remsen, his girlfriend. Her name is Nicole. She plays Sarah. And, I mean, on the last record, we had Henrietta, who was uh, uh, Mary's grandmother. And she was a co-worker of mine. She is a co-worker of mine. I work with her. Right. Her name is Angela. Hi, Angela. She's probably watching. <laughs> but, you know, I love everybody. Whoever's been involved live, we have different people that, port that, port that play the roles sometimes. Um, only Angela has played... Henrietta live everywhere we've gone. Wow. Two thumbs up. She's in her 70s. I love her. She's, she's awesome. But like we had other people that performed, you know, these roles that weren't the voices, you know, from a live perspective. And I, I love all them too. They do a great job, you know. And so uh, we just, uh, we just can't wait to do, you know, start playing again. That was going to be great. But we have this little, this little law, like it just gave the opportunity to see how things were going to work with the record, and uh, we're going to do an album. Uh, sorry, um, uh, a video. We're going to do that and gear up and start playing some runs. So that'll be fun. A lot of fun. Can't wait. Very cool. Anything else, Greg? You look like you're going to say something. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, I know we're talking about the third album and all that and uh, faster songs and reworking things. I was going to say, you know, why don't you try to sneak a little bit of Dead by Dawn in there? But <laughs> <laughs> there's probably not as many uh, Cold Steel fans as me oh, and there. <laughs> Greg, Greg, you know what? I, I, I love Greg. Greg's giving me all these ideas. Hey, Greg, how about... How That's why about... Greg's still on the show. <laughs> That's so great. How about we somehow introduce... Uh, Ash from Evil Dead at the ending of the third album, you know? Yes. Like, he comes up and he, maybe he saves KK or, or whatever, you know, like it would be, no, that would be cool. That would, that be, would cool. be awesome. That would be really cool. That's a great idea. And you know <laughs> what? I bet you you could get Bruce Campbell to do it. Oh, He's a really cool guy. That would be so cool to be able to do something like that. that I'm, would... I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of that franchise. And, and the, the TV show was great. Fantastic. Me I really, too. I, I'm like, so disappointed that got canceled, but that I'm was just so awesome. Pissed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. And this boy here too. They should have just kept it at, at, at the end of the fourth movie. Yeah. They should have just axed the whole thing. It's like, what, 13 movies? I, I stopped watching. Yeah. But he's still my boy. <laughs> oh, he's great. And, you know, D Doug Bradley always brought class and the same determination of the character, even in those really terrible movies. But when Dimension got a hold of that series and they just started throwing Pinhead randomly into yeah. movies that weren't even about him and just turned him into Hellraiser movies, they destroyed that. They did, I agree. I've never seen I any Hellraiser movies. I saw no? bits and pieces, but I never saw like a whole movie. 
Well, if you have Comcast, the first one and Hellbound are on demand right now. That's what you need to watch later. <laughs> you can skip number three. <laughs> you really could. It's really yeah. Good. Nobody really needs to see the uh, DJ Cenobite. That's best left but forgotten. You, you know what though? It is. But for some reason, I know a lot of people don't. They they say the fourth one was was not really so great. But I don't know. I really something about it. I really enjoyed the fourth one. I just enjoyed it. It just the story was in different time periods. I mean, you know, it it's a good story, and some of the new Cenobites in it may be a little convoluted, but you can tell whoever wrote that and the crew that did it had a really good time doing it. It's just a yeah. well-put-together movie and a lot of fun. True. I enjoyed that. My favorite thing about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Troy. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, Greg. Wayne, what about you? You've been asking Greg, what, what else? What, what, do you, what about you? What, do you? what do you think about the record? Did you, did you like it? Dislike it? Was it okay? Don't like it at all. Ah, meh. Yeah, album sucks. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. No, I I, I that's, wrote, that it sucks. I wrote my so thing be on, it. <laughs> I wrote my thing on Hub Pages. If anybody wants to go read it, it's uh, Hub Pages. And just I, I don't know how you. I know, but I wanted to look you in the eye. I wanted to look you in the eye. Let's see what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> like I said on the thing, I saw it was a good good review. Good review. My favorite album of the year, honestly. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of wow. King I'm a huge, huge fan of King Diamond. And wow. He hasn't released an album in almost a decade, and it has filled in that gap where, you know, I, I don't want to compare you to King Diamond, but it's filling in, it's, it's filling in that gap where I, I miss King Diamond, and you're, you just took over, you know? Because... Uh, surpri- I'll be surprised. I mean, don't, don't hate me for saying this, but I'll be surprised if we, if we hear any music again from him and that's and that's i'm sad to say that because only because i'm a fan too i love yeah. king diamond yeah i mean if if he's gonna i mean he's booking shows remember what i just told you before about the different gears different set of gears recording versus playing live he's booking shows mm-hmm. you know he's booked he's gonna be playing you know where's the record you know like all the fans i not gonna have any time look i'm a fan i'm a fan too Right? I'm getting pissed. <laughs> like, I want a new record. I want a new pink record. Yeah. When was the last one he released? That was, uh, what was that? Uh, Give me a soul, please. Yeah. Yep. That was yep. a pretty good record. That was a pretty good record. I enjoyed it. I listened to it quite a bit. And when did when that come out? 2000, what, seven? Something 2007, like that. right? Yeah. 2007. 2007. What, 11 years ago? Come on, man. Well, what record? He didn't have that heart what attack. Record? Yeah. I know he was sick. He had the, he had the heart attack. He, he had a what did he had a herniated discs. You know, I, I mean, yes, I understand as a human being, you know, you need to recover, you need to heal, you know. But then he started doing, and I and I understand the the whole philosophy behind or the thinking behind, you know. He started, he came out, boom, he's playing these shows, boom, he's playing these shows. But like, you know, they're fans. He got everybody juiced up, everybody's ready to go, and there's no new, no new music. He did announce, and that's DVD though. The uh, live show. It's not out yet, though. No, it's coming out. He just uh, put it. I know. I know. I saw it. It's coming out. I'm okay. Let's bring it out then. Come on, guys. That's been coming out. People, you know, your fans want it. Yeah. I'd still like to hear one more thing from Merciful Fate. Yeah. So don't 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 rule that out. Good. Yeah. But yeah, I tell you, actually, if uh, oh, I'm sorry, Wayne. I'll let you finish. You're fired. <laughs> I heard I heard through the grapevine. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard through the grapevine 
Yeah. That 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 might happen. Oh, cool. Spoiler. Well, you, I didn't say it was going to happen. I, I heard that it might happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen at some point. My best concert moment ever was a uh, Merciful Fate. Yeah, I never seen have. Uh, have you ever heard this story before, Wayne? Okay, so um, I loved Merciful Fate, King Diamond for years. Um, never seen them before. They came out and they did. Uh, I want to say it was the Dead Again tour, probably. And I saw them down in uh, Virginia, and they're going through their whole thing. And you know, I was up front headbanging the whole time. And King, you know, they were getting ready to play Black Funeral, and he says. We're going to play this short one now. And I jumped right up there and I went, Satan's fall. <laughs> and he just stops and he goes, Satan's fall. This is not the short one. Just for you, Satan's fall. Wow. And that was wow. awesome. That's, wow, that's an epic. <laughs> and then, and then the thing that, that, that was, was epic. Out of nowhere. So I, I, I never got to meet him, but that was amazing. <laughs> That would, oh, that would be top on the list for me. I actually, when I met him, Monty, when I said Monty brought me to, to introduce me to him, uh, he, we went into King's dressing room and, you know, he had his whole entourage and the rest of the band members were there. And I saw Mike, I'm like, hey, Mike Weed, hey, Mike, how you doing? He remembered me, you know, like, it was just great. And uh, all I know, all I remember is like, Monty bringing me up to King and he says, King, this is Troy. This is Troy. He he was doing he was doing a King Diamond tribute band for you. Troy, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so I I started to sing the King, and I started to sing a a, a line from Mansion in Darkness, mm-hmm. and he laughed because I did um, at the second uh, the the second verse where he sings really high. I did that line, and I did it right in his face. <laughs> King, King he he started to laugh, and everybody was they were quiet when I did it, and they all started to chuckle. Right, so he looks at me, he starts to laugh, and he goes, Now, now try to do that every day. And I said, uh, I can, I do, I just, I just don't know how, I just do. <laughs> but it was, kind of, he, he got a kick out of it, he got a kick out of it. It was, it was a great, it was a surreal moment, just like your surreal moment. But yeah. in this case, I just, I, I saw him for that brief moment singing to him. That's he awesome. One piece of his song, you know, it was great. That's cool. Have you, how did you learn to sing? Really cool stuff. So, did, did you take vocal lessons? Or are you self-taught? Uh, I did take, I, no, I, I did take vocal lessons. Um, I, I actually played the trumpet for 13 years. Wow. And then I started to sing. And I didn't take vocal lessons initially. But then when I did the Dead by Dawn demo uh, and the drummer died, we had some time. And I took vocal lessons then. I had also developed chronic laryngitis at that time, which I needed the vocal lessons. So that, you know, that, you know, the vocal lessons helped a lot, but you know, I'm going to do something soon uh, because I need to, before going out, um, I have to, I have to literally train myself almost like a, think of it like a boxer that goes in a ring. You're going to fight a 45 minute fight, 40 minute fight. Think about it. They have to train hours a day. You know, you have to physically train, you know, you have to, um, you know, vocally train from a singer's perspective. So you have to be able to sing for like a few hours to sing an hour every night. 
Right. It's the same concept. It's the same concept, you know, but you can't just go out and sing three hours straight if you haven't been singing for a few months. I took a, I took a break. I've, d- I've dabbled here and there with some friends and whatnot, like doing some live stints and whatnot. But like, I took a little break. So, you know, relaxing. Uh, and then now I got to gear up. So it's going to take months. Right. And you gear up, build it up, build it up, build it up. So by the time you go out, you're ready. Boom. You could sing an hour, no problem, each night, five nights in a row. You try to do that five nights in a row. By the sixth night, you need you need like a day off. You know, at least I at least I would. You know, I'm pushing fifty, and I I need to you know I need to be up there. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I I have all this different stuff going on, and I have to be on. People are gonna be like this with a magnifying glass, you know. So it takes time to build up the momentum and the stamina to get to that point. So I, I start soon. Do you, do we regret uh, regret doing so many different styles and singing on the uh, them stuff? No, because actually, when I sing as me, Troy and Cold Steel, that's harder. Right, really. It's harder than this, believe it or not. Wow. I, I maybe I think it's because it's more aggressive mm-hmm. than this than singing okay. as KK. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely harder. Wow. So I don't regret it. It's fun. It makes things interesting. Yeah, it does. And I, um, I, like I love to see people's. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I, you it's know, fun I, watching people's reactions live too. Most bands, they all like kind of just do what they do, like one thing. You know, like most singers are just, you know, one do one thing. You know, they don't do nothing different. But you, you do so many different things. It's, it's. I like that kind of stuff. Makes it makes it a little more interesting. That's right. all. Yeah. That's all. You know. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, this interview has went like crazy long. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to say. Yeah. Hey, you know what, Wayne? I could tell you, I could tell you, I could keep you on for another two hours easily. You can. But, but uh, we're not going to do that. But it would be fun. Yeah. yeah. But no, I very enjoyed this interview very much. And uh, like I said, I love the album. Album of the year to me. Anyway. Thank you. Yep, wow, thank you. Thank you very much. I love every song on the album. That's, I'm being very honest. Not even lying to you. Definitely. <laughs> thank and you. I can't wait to the freaking I'm vinyl. sure the guys will be very happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, that's right. Both of you get the vinyl. Yep. Yeah. So, so just keep in mind, the it's two vinyl, right? So the fourth side, it just has an etching. It doesn't oh, yeah. play. Oh, cool. It's an etching. It's a silhouette etching. So if you wanted to, you can actually frame it. It's actually cool. It's a, it's a silhouette of what's going on on the front cover. It's pretty cool. Wow. It's, that's it's not playable. It's not playable at all. Nice. So just the first three sides. Okay. Play. Okay. Good idea. And they, 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 they did that on purpose uh, because, they, because if you crunched everything up on one, on one vinyl, uh, it would, you would have quality loss. And they, they didn't want that. They wanted it to, the quality to remain, so it had to go onto the three sides. Wow. wow. Good. That's excellent. They get that. Yeah. Oh, they know what they're doing. They did a great job. Uh, Steam uh, Hammer that decided that. Yeah, okay. Cool. Can't wait to get it in December. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so sorry about that. I mean, it sucks. That's, it's embarrassing. I mean, but, but the thing is, you know, there was a few, th- I'll just, listen, I won't give you exact numbers, but like there was, there was several thousand pre-order physical copies. Right. 
already like before it came out so we found that out a few days before and i'm like what what really physical really wow oh, wow that's great so you know we just you know unfortunately I have to be a little bit more patient i'm actually trying to buy a copy for myself i mean i have a copy that was given to me but i just wanted to buy like a copy so you know maybe for a family member or two or whatever just as a gift you know that sort of thing yeah. but i can't even do that <laughs> So with the yeah. last time I, I pre-ordered the last time on uh, Bandcamp, so I got all the extras and stuff like that. Oh, you got all the extra goodies. I don't even. Do you have the, you got the post? Did you you got a poster? Yeah, I got a poster and those postcards. You yep. You did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 They have a poster. They have a poster um, that they have out now. I don't even have it. Hmm. But you know, I try to keep like one one or two of each thing. I put it in like a like a, a chest that yeah. you know for, yeah. for like my memories and that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, but uh, but I didn't do that this yeah. year. I didn't, I didn't, because yeah, just had it, um, had it like it was a uh, European, so I figured you know the, the shipping cost is like ridiculous. So, what, what what's this? Oh, you I see this? I saw that. So, this is what's called the KK spray. Right. So, our um, our crazy German uh, counterparts made okay. this alcoholic cherry schnapps, it's a spray. <laughs> And they, it's called the KK spray, and they sell it at shows um, for like five euros, and uh, it tastes great. I told them, well, guys, what are you doing? Like, make make bottles of this. Schnapps is pretty big over there. Really? You know? Um, yeah, it's it's schnapps is big in Germany. So make make bottles of schnapps. You know, let's let's yeah. do it. I want a bottle of this thing. You know? <laughs> but. Um, you know, I, I came back with like 20 of these because they just, they don't have the ability to send them over here just yet. Um, and it was just pretty, it was good. It went down. It went down like the Titanic. Wow, that's cool. KK spray. Yeah, we're trying to get it over here. I would, I would love to get my hands on one of those. Was, yeah, like this is great. I mean, like, look, if you're out at a show and you squirt a few, you know, I mean, this 40% by volume alcohol, 40% alcohol by volume. And uh, it's tasty. Just, if anything, it's tasty with a little kick. So I dig it. <laughs> so. Nice little idea. Yeah. You think of all the, all the crazy things there. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, Anthrax's Killer Bee, honey. Yeah. Yeah. Is that? Uh, I asked these guys to, uh, hey, what about a beer or wine, like a blood, you know, like a Merlot or something like that? No, no, that's been done already. And with schnapps, it, it, it's nothing in this bottle. It's clear. But if there was any liquid in here, or if there was cherry schnapps in here, it would be the color that you see, you know, the clear. Because mm -hmm. schnapps, you can't color it. It's clear. It's flavored, but it's clear. And um, it's just remarkable. It's what they did with this. Uh, it's it's really good. They actually went to a distillery in Germany, and they had this this formula designed. It went through several stages until they came out with the right formula, and now it's like they have it like, like not I don't not patented, but like you know just it's theirs, right. you know. So they make them. They'll make a few hundred bottles each time, and when we go out, they sell them, and people are walking around. <laughs> it's, great. it's great. It's great. I love it. So I have like I have two of these bottles. The last two I kept just as like a little souvenir, but they're empty. Uh, they're empty. Long. Of course, they're empty. Yeah, good stuff. But right. hopefully, we'll have that one when we, when we when we tour here, so people over here can, you know, enjoy it too. Yeah, very cool. 
All right. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed uh, having you on. It was very fun. Thank you both of you for your time. Yes. Yeah. You know, thank you for having me on. I had a great time. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Troy. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And I uh, love the album. Come on. Thank you. Week. Thank you. Might as well just come on next week now because it's just me and Greg. <laughs> Do you want me to come on? Huh? Come on. Come on. Every Thursday. Was it next, what, next Thursday? Every, 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 <laughs> I'll tell you, we got stories. It's going to be. Uh, we have the stories up the wazoo. All different stories. It's going to be on uh, Wednesdays from now on, I think. Right, Greg? Now we're going oh, to Wednesdays? Yep, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, let me. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk offline. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe. Very cool. 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 All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for uh, checking this out. No problem. And like I said, uh, I, we'll try to be on Twitch. It, it takes a long time to do all that shit. But uh, we'll be on uh, iTunes and everything's listed on the side there. You'll see it. Uh, so check it out. And again, thank you. Go check out them. Get the uh, new album. You won't be disappointed. All right. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye Metal. Uh, <laughs> I'm screwing up here. Uh, where's the outro? Oh, here it is. Hold on. All right. Bye.